true believers, and welcome to another issue of Four Color Commentary, the continuing saga of four comic nerds and the books they love. It's a me, Alan. Wow, I'm Chewy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh no, I'm Ian. It's a me, a Luigi. <laughs> <laughs> no, Ryan. No. <laughs> There we go. Really, you couldn't think of any more. Well, he's wearing a green shirt. <laughs> he is wearing I, a green shirt. I no. What? Do another voice from a Mario character. I should have done. Let's go. Because that's still no. Mario. You could have done like the the boo laugh, which sounds like that's hard. <laughs> that's close. That's, that's as close as it's gonna get. What is? Do I know what Toad sounds like? Nobody knows a Toad. Hey! Sounds, yeah. Is that yeah. what he like actually yeah. sounds that's like? like yeah. A really high pitched voice. Any any, any other Mario <sighs> characters you want me to do? God, can I Let's just swallow. can I just say Wario. this? Oh, I should have been I should have uh, been or, 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 Waluigi. Or, yeah, the crappiest one. <laughs> you can just do Waluigi or Mario. <laughs> He's the crappiest one. Wait, okay, what? Got, uh, could have got Bowser. Uh, 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 uh. Well, it's Waluigi like or Wario. You just have to go. Yeah, that's true. Can I just say that I think Toad needs a good punch of the face? <laughs> Why? Like, he just ah, uh, he sucks, dude. Why does he suck? He's the be- he's fast in Mario Kart sixty four. I don't know. So Some, something about wearing that vest with no shirt on. He's just he's that weird. is their culture, sir. Dude, uh, how dare oh no. you? Oh no! How dare you? You have offended the Mushroom Kingdom. Oh no! Toad's here to party, man. That's why wow. he's wearing. All right. Oh, well, okay. okay if you give him some sunglasses, I'll believe it. I mean, oh yeah, he probably had some if Bowser didn't Alan, steal them. They we could never be in know. his hat. Draw it. What? Toad? Par- party Toad. Party Party Toad. Just dude. Toad. Just Toad. Normally with with his, with his vest like flapping in the breeze Par- as he does a kickflip. <laughs> party Boy Toad. Yeah, there you go. Like in the, in the de- should I draw him like in the desert, staring off at like washboard abs? Just yeah, and like, I want like to be a like, super hairy chest. I want him to be doing a kickflip, and yeah. then also have like a bottle of soda with a straw. This is turning into that whitest kids you know sketch, like Bowser, but he's got sunglasses on. He's looking over like this, and he's on a surfboard. And he's got a two-headed guitar, and it's like coming off the edge, and the whole thing on a pot leaf. <laughs> <laughs> The, Pretty sure I've seen that shirt with like the an airbrush hat. shop yeah. in Denver. Yeah, give make sure. Yeah, write Super Mario with the Stussy S. Oh on man! Oh, that, oh, and he has one so of those good. hats that looks like dreads. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's just got dreads coming out of the toad top. Oh, or the toad, hat. but the toad top is just. not is not a toad. It's Rasta colors. Oh. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, write this boy. all down, Alan. Are you getting all this? No, <laughs> Charlie. If you're listening and you want something to draw, feel free. You guys could have a draw off. Yeah, a draw. Yeah. That's how it goes. Anyway, we don't want to draw this intro out anymore. That's Too right. I went late. I kind of do. Let's uh, talk more about Mario. What's the name <laughs> of this podcast again? Hi, everybody. Welcome to Four Color Commentary. Let's talk uh, about the real princess, Daisy. <laughs> you mean Peach? No. The other one? No. The, the people's princess. The Daisy. brunette? Yeah. Okay. She's my princess. All right. I choose to not. I mean, she does, right, she does like Luigi. She does like cowards. I choose to not recognize Peach. <laughs> okay. She's if you want to read more about Chewie's thoughts, check out <laughs> his, his archive of our own profile. <laughs> does, that, does that mean your princess is in another castle? Chewie discusses yes. the Nintendo uh, universe, <laughs> the Mushroom Kingdom. Uh, it's another podcast. It's got stories rated PG, climate, PG-13. Um, I can hear the, the sound of fast-forward buttons being clicked right now. It's okay. Yeah. If they don't like Mario, that's their problem. Nobody Who's has, clicking has with their smartphone? They're Come pushing, on, They're pushing the, like, 15 second, 15 second. Yeah, Are they still on, talking yeah. about that? Dang it, 15 well, what if they're going Here, don't, worry, we'll, don't worry, we'll throw them off. And Spider-Man Blue. And then Back also batter. Rebels. See, now <laughs> they don't know where they are in the show. And they're gonna, so confused. And they're going to have to look at their phone and then... 
Boom. Uh, hit, hit the back of the car, wow. fender and bender, the, and then, all because they skipped. Let this be a lesson to listen to us. Just, Never just stop listen listening. to us. Just listen to us. <laughs> all right. Anyway, before we get into this, the show itself, there's a couple things uh, we want to uh, we want to talk about. And thing number one is how you can get in touch with us. Uh, you can send us an internet email as opposed to paper email, which is called mail. mail. <laughs> oh. uh, you can uh, tweet at us. You can do all that stuff. So the best way to do all that stuff is to visit our website, uh, stuffandthingsnetwork.com. Go there. Click on the four-color commentary artwork. And on the page that you'll be taken to, a magical portal will open, and the portal will lead you to a lot of information, such as uh, the ability to listen to our show right there on the website. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Uh, you can also reach out to us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr are all there for you to click on. Uh, you can also email us as a contact us button on the front page of the website, fill out the form, select our show, shoot us an email. So all of that at stuffandthingsnetwork.com. So... Uh, before we get into the show, uh, there are four of us in four sections of the show, and we like to treat this the way good old Smile and Stand at Marvel Comics would, and and say every comic could be somebody's first comic. So we like to, to think that way here in our show, and so we like to introduce you to who you'll be spending your time with. Uh, so let's go around the circle. I'll ask Alan the immortal question, the undying question, if you will, uh, the question who, who dare not speak its name, but I ask it every time. Alan, who are you and what gives you the right? Voldemort. Don't know yet. Working on that. My name is Alan, and uh, I like a lot of things, but my two uh, favorite seem to be web comics and manga. So I try to bring those as often as I can. You can find me on the Twitters and the uh, the Instagrams at marginally talented, M R G N L Y talented. We can also see all the things that I draw because I draw things and post them there. Woo! Uh, like party which, toad. <laughs> which what well, soon? Uh, <laughs> soon TM. And then uh, that means that uh, also that I'm really kind of big on art. That's my thing. So uh, a book with good art and good panel layout is what draws me to a book. Hi, I'm Chewy. Uh, you heard a little bit about my uh, political stance in the Mushroom Kingdom. Um, I tend to hang out on the internet, uh, and I'm reachable. Lurking in creepy corners. L- lurking in the creepy corners with the of, corner man <laughs> of the internet with the corner man. <laughs> Just you know. Slamming a few, a few brews. We're, we're good. We're good. Um, wait, does... Yeah, he has a mouth. He has no eyes. So he can definitely drink some beer with me. Okay, so hit me up and the corner man. Uh, we can go ahead and be reached at, at Chupacabra, C-H-E-W-P-A-C-A-B-R-A. Reasons to to hit us up. I'm going to start referring to me, myself, as a we entity and start freaking <laughs> people out down the line. Uh, we Reasons to, to reach out to us is, um, you know, maybe you want to talk about some comics and, uh, you know, the corner man likes the shadows. So do I. So I like books that are a little bit darker, a little bit heavier. Sometimes it's psychological. Sometimes it's physical with gut punching and blood ripping and tooth, blood ripping. Yeah. Blood ripping and tooth pulling and, you know, just a real, a real hair, just a real hair slashing good time. If you're reading the book, <laughs> no. If you're reading a book and you're like, what? what is this book? Is this a Chewy book? And you're like, man, that's metal. That's a Chewy book. I think that the Blood Rippers is the name of the 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 villains. I mean, those are in, all characters in, in the in, comic in book Heavy, Heavy Blood. Blood. Yeah. yeah, they're the uh, villains. Yes. The Blood Rippers are the ones who made Heavy Blood. Heavy Blood. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're, they're, the they're, they're responsible yeah. for it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Hair like, slashers. 
All of them. <laughs> Somebody out there is making a list. Um, hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Ian. Uh, I am the representative, typically, of the big two here on the show. So that's Marvel and DC, for those of you uh, newbies. So uh, for better or worse, sometimes really good, sometimes eh, not so good. Um, I usually like to be the... I'm the, I'm the gateway member. The one who's like, yeah, come here, kids. Come yeah, here. Here, let me, t- <laughs> let me give you a good reference for a first comic to read. <laughs> so, um, but... Man, that was fun. I tend to like anything uh, that has a good story. So maybe if the art in the book is not so, is not as good, uh, if the story really carries over well, I'm willing to probably like your book. Um, and you can reach out to me on the internet uh, at, at irich. That's at I-R-I-T-C-H on the, on the Twitters and the Instagrams. You have Instagram? Yeah. Are we not friends? We should be. I'm friends. I follow you. Oh, that's Jerk. weird. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hi, I'm Ryan. Hi, uh, Ryan. Known in, in some circles as Old Man Comics Dad. Uh... <laughs> Mostly by one person and anybody who reads my Twitter. Uh, I'm on Twitter, Ryan Roop, R-Y-A-N-R-U-P-P-E. I like science fiction comics, comics as art, comics as literature. Uh, I like uh, when things are weird. uh, I like when things are weird. In story story type Mm. of weirdness and also like strange psychedelic artwork. Uh, there is a type of of art that is typically referred to as Ryan art, which is where (laughs) there's a lot of really heavy black very inky that's inking, a that, that's a that's a well-known comic colors yeah ryan it, art it, if yeah. you listen to four color commentary go to a convention and like, ask for some ryan no art. don't ever do that um <laughs> it's when a belgian cartoonist did it perfect yeah <laughs> yes Actually, yeah so, <laughs> or or jeff stokely um there you go and and yeah i'm on a lot of internet things with the same username and I already said it. So you have to rewind if you want to hear it again. All right. So, um, that is the four of us. And as I mentioned, there are four sections of our show, but we like to tease things out here a little bit. So we don't tell you what those are up front. We used to, but not anymore because you guys should know. If you don't know, you're in for a treat. So section number one of our show, part one, if you will, turning the great tome open, uh, the spiral bound wrapped in human flesh and inked in blood. It's spiral. That's where I left. Yeah. That was the ultimate indignity is that it's spiral bound. (laughs) Um, So turning the page to the first section of our show uh, is here's my issue where each of us bring an individual issue uh, we uh, of a comic we like and we all trade them around. We read them. We talk about them. We talk about things we like things we didn't like. As I say every time and as Ryan likes to correct me, it's kind of a comic book book club. I just like saying book book club. It's book book club. Um, So uh, I believe I drew the short straw. Not not to be uh, confused with, by the way, with the actual podcast called Four Color Book Club. No, that's not us. No, that's not who we are. Who is that? (laughs) Oh, hey guys. Hey, who are you? Hey. All right. Cut it out. (laughs) So uh, I actually do the short on, straw this get. time, uh, and I, I brought a book uh, from Black Horse, or Black Horse, Dark wow. Horse. I'm tired. It's been a Just long Just think night. of Katy Perry, Dark yeah, Horse. right? Yeah. I'll think of Katy Perry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Let's try that again. Uh, I brought a comic from Dark Horse uh, called uh, Black Hammer. That's why I've, see, that's why I've got messed up. Um, so uh, it is written by Jeff Lemire, uh, art by Dean Ormson. Ormston? Ormston. Uh, colors by Dave Stewart. Letters, Todd Klein. Uh, and so this comic is uh, its a superhero book. It's its one of the ones I finally beat Chewie to the punch on. He'll always bring these superhero books that are not from the big two. And I'm like, gosh, where do I find those? So I purposely went out and found one. And I had not read this before this, but I the, the names, the talent on the book, I was like, all right, I'm in. I'm going to check this out. Uh, and it's about uh, a bunch of superheroes who are in this alternate dimension that's like a sleepy farm town. They've been, they've been pushed out of their world somehow. 
Uh, and it's been a long, long time been pushed out. They're celebrating the anniversary of sorts uh, and kind of how they're dealing with living this weird little small town life and possibly trying to get back to where they came from. Uh, so what did you guys think of the book? Uh, I, I, I can talk about things I like. But let's, talk, let's talk about the story first. What did you guys think of the story, the overall premise of the book? Preamble to that. When you talked about like beating me to the punch with this, oh, I'm going to beat you to the punch with another book so hard. One I know you will, but but this, I already, this is, I already this, know it. This just, is I'm just I already, okay. this my is my words. this is my revenge for Lady Killer. I had that on my list for a long time, mark and I never brought words. it. That's fine. This will just be a okay, guys. This will just be a comic books out there. There'll just be a constant, a constant, a constant war. Whoever, whoever battle, whichever one. Gosh, I really hope you bring a book about Cyclops. I'm getting it. Book about <laughs> the um, I the so I'd read this book previously on the recommendation of our good friend Jacob. Came out about um, a year ago, right? Yeah, it came out a while ago, and he's like, "You gotta check it out." And I was like, "Uh, okay." And then he was like, "Hey, did you check it out yet?" And I'm like, "Uh, not yet. It's on my list." Uh, and then he's like, "Hey, you check it out yet?" I'm like, "No, not yet." And then he's like, "Hey," I'm like, "I know." And he's like, "Here." Finish, Check it out. You finished with, oh, you finish with those errands? Yeah, you finished with those errands. And so I read it, and it was um, it was great. So just from a story standpoint, I mean, it, it's no secret. I, I love Jeff Lemire. Um, so I, I very much enjoyed the setup here. And, I mean, it is a lot of setup. You know, there's not yeah. a ton oh, yeah. of – we don't get to a ton of action. Not much action. But we do get to know the characters quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And I think if you're not going to get into something very action packed just yet and you're going to kind of lay the groundwork, it's you got to give me characters I care about and I care about these characters. Yeah. So that that's kind of like what really draws me in to this book, Mm -hmm. even though we're not we're not getting a ton of the action yet. Yeah, I I think it's interesting whenever you look at sort of a non big two superhero book that um just because of how the heritage of superheroes in American comics, everybody, you can describe a lot of these characters as combinations or twists on classic characters. Like the, the main guy is kind of a Superman type. Um, we've got like a Martian manhunter type. Mm -hmm. We've got like a, like a, Billy Batson, who's yeah. not Shazam anymore and is sort of misanthropic and an old, an, an adult in a kid's body as opposed to the opposite Shazam situation. Uh, we have like a sort of a psychedelic whacked out Adam Strange. You mean Doctor Strange? No. Adam I, Strange? No, Adam, Adam Strange. Strange. Okay. The yeah. space man who's sort of not Yeah, I, I think it's, I thought it was kind yeah, of a but I mean, but that's, he's floating that's, through walls and stuff. I think that's what's interesting. Is it's kind of, he's kind of kind both. Of a combination. Uh, we've, got the, we've got the robot guy. Um, who's, who's that one guy looks like Alan Moore in a spacesuit? Yeah, <laughs> well, you're right, and so that that sort of works as Adam Strange, and it sort of works on a couple of levels. Yeah. And then the the character who doesn't actually appear in this book, we have um, Bat Batman Thor. Yeah, yeah, Black <laughs> Hammer. Yeah. Uh, oh, and I missed um the the scary ghost lady, Raven from yeah. the Teen Titans. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought I thought it was pretty I thought it was pretty interesting because. Like whenever I read a book like this, I always am just sort of looking for the like, oh, who's the Batman? Who's the Superman? You know, blah 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 blah. But I think that these characters all have like enough of a unique twist that it's not just sort of like, oh, I I, I took my pitch for the Justice League and and you know rubbed off the serial numbers, <laughs> uh, which is sometimes how how superhero books feel when they're when they're not at Marvel or DC. Right. Uh, and I mean, sometimes you read a Marvel book and you're like, oh, this is just like 
they wrote the Justice League, and then they're like, oh well, it's Marvel, so who can I make this? Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. it's Moon Knight instead of Batman. You yeah. know, it's it's. <laughs> Uh, but I thought that this was it was nice that it didn't feel like that. Mm-hmm. Like he, right. the references were pretty upfront. Like, oh yeah, this is a guy from Mars, and he looks like an alien, but he can look right. like a human. Like, obviously, kind of Martian manhuntery. But then, like, he's you know he he has different feelings. He doesn't really care about anybody, and 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 stuff like that, which is different than Martian manhunter. Like he's very compassionate. You know, in a, in a way, totally apathetic guy. Like a like a red tornado, but like yeah. without the longing for humanity. It's yeah, just like kind of like I don't feel that. Whatever. Yeah, it's like whatever. This this sucks and I hate it, but yeah. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. But I, but I mean, like all of the characters sort of exist independently of their inspiration, uh, which I thought was a nice a nice surprise. Uh, oh man, I but like I want to know so much more. Right. I want to know. So, like I want it to be filled in both going forward in the story, and then also I want so much backstory. You know what's pretty rad? I want it to basically be lost. Is the print, <laughs> the print version of the book actually includes a little backup story uh, by uh, written and drawn by Jeff Lemire? Oh, nice! Um, and it follows. I think it's Golden Gale. Um, it follows Golden Gale. Um, like, I think it's on like the last day or whatever before like this all happened and it's like the moments leading up to it and stuff like that but but not like oh this was her life before it was like literally this is the last half an hour she had oh wow you know and so Uh you get enough you you learn a little bit more about her but not enough to know her entire story so it it is pretty rad i highly recommend checking that out if you get the chance um, Alan, I'll transition next. What are your thoughts? Unless you have something to say about the story, which I'm sure you might, but you can. <laughs> but I'll also I'll, I'll I'll follow that with. What are your thoughts on the the art styling of the book? Um, you know, I always like. I, I'm glad that I have like a, a thing to contribute to the podcast, like talking about <laughs> art. But I feel like such a scam artist. <laughs> like <laughs> I have severe imposter syndrome. Um, well, I, I like the story. I thought it was like. A, I thought it was fun and a, a decent twist. And I'm with Ryan. I, I definitely want to know more about what's going on like what kind of pocket dimension are they living in and what are they what are they trying to do at the end of this book is it just like a memorial service or is there supposed to be some sort of like ritual going on it seemed like it was like a remembrance of why we're here but is it a seance like like yeah yeah, it feels like there could be more yeah it seems like there was something else going on there yeah it leaves a lot of questions unanswered that's what barbellion and uh golden gale were talking about right you know they're like is this a funeral or is it an anniversary like Like, i wish i wish i knew how to dress quote unquote dress for the occasion yeah um but anyway, I, I think the art is interesting because it hovers between, um, I think last podcast we talked about Mike Mignola style, uh-huh. which is like a lot of silhouettes. And it kind of hovers between that and sort of Ryan style, which is very thin penciled lines with very flat um, pastel colored inks for the most part and minimal shading. Just to be clear for new listeners, I don't really draw. It's not my style. It's just one that he prefers. The style that I like. Yeah. Um, it's very like like what you would probably find in a European made um, comic. Or European influenced, at least as far as we discovered. Um, so I think that it lends itself really well to that because it, one way to really differentiate yourself book-wise when it comes to super, superheroes that are not big two but you still want them to feel like a superhero team that you care about is to make the style a little off also. I I didn't want to use this word, but it's not a bad analogy, which is Tim Burton it. Okay. Like, make it so... It's super recognizable and everything's almost exactly the same, but the style is just so a little bit off and a little bit gothic mm-hmm. that it just doesn't feel like the all-American comic book that, that you would normally 
yeah. read. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that's a really good way to differentiate yourself. So to keep inside the lines, but color just outside them. Um, and the other metaphorically. thing, metaphorically, yeah, metaphorically. <laughs> um, which actually, I was wondering because I it looks a lot like Jeff Lemire drew this book too, because we've read stuff that Jeff Lemire has drawn, and it's very similar, even though it's not him. And I always find it super interesting when writers find um, artists to very closely mimic their writing style in art form. Like I say this all the time about Cy Spurrier, like he keeps finding people who draw the way that he writes. Yeah. Um, and I think this art style, even though it's not Jeff Lemire, mimics Jeff Lemire's art and writing style very well. So I think that's what makes it a really solid book. I, th- I think it's interesting you brought up the, I mean, it definitely complements his writing style. I think it's interesting what you're talking about kind of uh, in a way, uh, you know, it being influenced by Lemire's art style. Um, but what I think is like, I keep saying interesting. I hate saying it again. Uh, but what I think is really interesting about it is that while the look of the book feels like a like a Lemire book, it doesn't look like he did it. But when you're like, oh, he wrote it, you're like, yes, that absolutely makes sense. And it's weird because yeah. it, it does borrow some of the same techniques, but it has its own distinct style. And when you have someone that has their own distinct voice and style and how they draw and how they write, and especially if, if you're someone like Lemire who, who writes and draws his stuff together very often, you know, majority of the time, how do you find someone else to write what you're drawing? How do you find someone else to draw what you're writing yeah. and give off the same vibe without it being just someone saying like, Oh, oh do, do what I do. You yeah. know what I mean? And, yeah. and keep their own style. And I, I don't know. I thought that was somehow wonderfully done here. I, I would never tell Ian this, but it is very important to find an artist that, uh, you know, works with your writing style as well. Otherwise right. the, the writing may get lost. You're telling the listeners. Yeah. Don't tell. Comics much like film are a collaborative medium. And I never tell Alan that, but it's important that you have a collaboration between the writer and artist. You guys are weird. And not that it's just like led by the writer or led by the artist. Did you Ryan, guys, see did you guys notice that the colors in this book, change drastically when it's flashbacks to superhero times yeah, yeah i clearly. i love the that one page of like old school because i mean they're definitely looking at the costume design and everything it's golden age superheroes yeah. like not not too much going on not too fancy just simple like we're wearing a unitard and it has a maybe a letter or a symbol on it's it like, it looks it or reminds it's a solid like, color like really early kirby Designs. Yeah, and also it also reminds me a little bit of like Justice Society, like yeah. of America, like old DC stuff. Um, when they were, I think I don't even know if they were DC at that point. Probably still Action Comics. Timely, ti- no, yeah. what was that was DC before? Timely was Marvel. Oh, um, I don't remember what DC was before. It was something else? Detective Comics. Well, I mean, they, they thought they had a different umbrella. Yeah. Anyway, um, was that all American? Uh, well, I mean, there was there was Action Comics and D- they all kind of came under DC yeah. after a while, but there was all these different ones. I just don't remember the name of the publishing what they call themselves back then anyway it doesn't matter um but it has that golden age kind of superhero like look to it and also but yeah the monster they're fighting hardcore kirby like oh yeah. oh yeah totally it's like dark it's like side some galactus yeah dark side galactus <laughs> that's exactly what it is dark galactus um well good i'm glad you guys liked it i really enjoyed it too um i i, I echo all of your sentiments i kind of just wanted to hear what you guys thought um I, I echo all the sentiments that you guys have um that's why i don't have really have anything new to add uh National. so National comic. Yes, national, national comic. Comics. I was close. I was close. Um, so this is a Dark Horse book, so it's available anywhere Dark Horse books are, so I believe it's on Comixology digitally. Uh, as far as trades and stuff, I don't know. How, how many issues did this come out? Like 12, something like that? 
Uh, I mean, it's been running since July 2016. So it's been maybe just about a year uh, if if they've not stopped. So you might be able to find trades as well. Uh, But yeah, so uh, I would check it out. Black Hammer. Check it out. So Alan, I believe you are next. It is webcomic time, if I'm not mistaken. It is webcomic time. So I brought you guys a webcomic. Isn't that weird? Whoa. No way. Isn't that weird? Whoa. Um, I gave you guys a choice and uh, last time, and I asked if you guys wanted. It was the same uh, artist, regardless, same artist and create. I guess creator, same creator, regardless. But one was an autobio, and then one was her um, serialized comic. And you guys picked autobio, which I didn't expect. Um, so, <laughs> and so I brought you "Let's Speak English," which is about the time where she lived in Japan for a couple years and taught English. Um, in one of those sort of uh, trade situations where they, you know, you can sign up and go live abroad and all you got to do is teach English, which isn't that hard, um, but you have to live there and then that's the hard part. Yeah, so, teaching someone the language English isn't hard at all because English is a very straightforward language. I meant the fact that you don't have to <laughs> physically know anything to be there. It's not like you, you basically just have to have a degree. That's yeah. about it. Yeah. Uh, and something, I know people who've done this. Yeah, so, yeah I want to do it. Uh, I know two that did it in China, but not mm-hmm. Japan. I know one who did it, I think, in Japan. Yeah, I think Japan. Um, my, my nephew's actually in China right now teaching English. Oh, yes. really? Yeah. I heard the hard part is getting past all the food. Like, it takes like a week for your system to get acclimated oh, to yeah, the food. Um, so anyway, this is fun. And uh, Mary Cagle is just an entertaining person in general. I follow her on Twitter, too. So it's it's just more of this. Um, what do you guys think? So they're more the story wise is more a series of kind of vignettes, not necessarily like a. It's more like a comic strip, but yeah. but there is kind of a story to it, like thing you you. There I mean, is like an overarching thing. It's just not a traditional like page one, yeah, page two, page three. It's more. Yeah. It sometimes one, will be like a, a three or four page story that goes it's over a couple different a, a couple different days. They'll sometimes be just three or four panels. So it's kind, it, of, like, it, it's kind of a mix. Kind of like when we read uh, JL eight. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, it's, it's like a newspaper comic strip. It's like Calvin and Hobbes. Sort of. Yeah. I've always wanted to bring Calvin and Hobbes, but I was told I wasn't allowed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we need to read Calvin and Hobbes on this. I now. think a first prince of a Calvin and Hobbes collection would be smart. But then uh, here's here's the, one of the reasons I didn't, wasn't sure if I wanted to bring this webcomic. Because uh-huh. every time we do like autobio comics or, or strip comics, all we end up doing is recapping the comic. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, but I, well, I thought this one would be a little more fun because there's a lot about Japanese culture in this that I even I didn't know. There is. Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's the really helpful thing about this that I was kind of like, I don't understand the funny here what's or what's going on. And there's a nice little paragraph underneath that kind of explains a little bit about yeah. what, yeah. what is going yeah. on. Yeah, sometimes. And and a lot of a lot of it is pretty straightforward, but there are some ones where are, are that are very, if you know Japanese culture, uh, they definitely come off a little bit more clear. Um, but there's a lot of like, it's really cute. It's a, it's a very very cute like, uh, and I don't mean that in like a oh it's cute like no it's it's cute it's makes it's you adorable. smile it's adorable. Well, I mean and it's it, a lot of it is you know like interactions with children and then like funny like you know you just, can tell they're you, real yeah usually like stories or little jokes and comic strips about interactions with children can already be pretty funny and this yeah. one also adds the like cultural, cultural divide yeah. element and it gets like I, I really like the one where. Um, there a little girl with an eye patch and she looks at the little girl she's like there's nothing to do with anime don't mention anime and she's all were you attacked by ninjas <laughs> <laughs> my favorite part of that comic was actually the bottom <laughs> yeah. she said if your eye patch is black it's pirates if it's white it's anime i don't make the rules that's just how it is <laughs> <laughs> i am um, but and the but the thing is like that would be like right up there with my response if i saw a kid that i saw regularly who had an eye patch i'd be like hey man did a pirate get your eye? <laughs> I also enjoyed the uh, the cold season one 
where where they're doing yeah. the head, shoulders, knees, and toes. She's like, oh god, don't, don't touch, touch your, your faces, face. <laughs> don't touch your gross germ covered face. And the zoom in on like the kids with snot coming down there. They're, they're, they're sticking their hands in like, their right mouth. They're like, oh god, no. I um, I, ve- I very much. I think one of the things, Alan, where you were saying you had reservations about bringing this because what well, we end up doing, which yeah. I mean, with the slice of life, I kind of feel like one of the only things you could do aside from saying I liked it and I didn't like it is talk about the specific scenes you liked. Well, but um, the fact that it had its little own uh, recap, like paragraph at the end of each one, I think is super helpful. Like Ian was saying, it gives it a little bit more depth. It's almost like each, like each strip has its own back matter right. in a way. Um, and that's kind of cool. I haven't personally seen that in a web comic um, other than like when I wrote this, I was drinking a lot of Red Bulls and, yeah. you know, like I, I worked, you know, like two a, graveyard or, shifts or, yeah. or, or, or the, the standard, the standard web comic comment in the, after the show was posted. Sorry. It's late guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry, it's sorry, this is late. It's free. It's finally up. Oh, so I really like the strip too. I'll try to do better. Where she's driving on the way to school, she's like, "Oh, the students are out there. Oh, they look really. It's raining, and they must be wet and look really unhappy. Uh, maybe I should offer them a ride. Yeah, that's a great idea. Teach the children that you should accept a ride from a strange adult. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I think that there is one that gets the most comic booky. Mm-hmm. Is uh, it's it's the number twenty five. It's the little rock concert. Yeah. yeah, it's like a five page thing. But I thought um, it's interesting one because like. It says this is her first rock concert. Yeah, like, I was really. I was yeah. gonna bring like, this oh, one up. Come on, yeah. like, Some not people? everybody went to punk rock shows in high school. Yes, no, I guess, I guess not. not. <laughs> nobody <laughs> played in. Not weird. everybody played in bands. I didn't play in, in, college. Band in high school. Yeah. Um, but but I th- but also like, there's definitely a point where she's so she's seeing this like relatively obscure internet musician that she really liked before she moved to Japan. Right, like pretty close to where she is in this random prefecture in a small part of Japan, and she just sort of is geeking out of, like. Other people in this room know this music, like, you know, it's it's like your first time at a comic con. Right. You're like, oh man, like all of these people like comics too. Yeah, you know, and and these it's, people know as much about Batman as I do. But it's yeah. it's an interesting the Maybe way she more. sort of captures that feeling of like when you're at a concert with other people who are fans of a relatively obscure band or at an event with other people who are fans of something relatively obscure. That like immediate feeling of like validation and of like. Oh man, like I'm not the only one. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I, the way that she captured, it, I think, is is really interesting. Like just with the the narration and the her drawings are really like sort of chibi and cute, especially in that where she's like they are kind of freaking out. But it it, it like that's what it feels like, where everything right. is just like, oh my gosh, like I never it never occurred to me that this is a shared experience that I could have in public with other people. Uh, I thought that was really cool. I thought it was one of the best like concerts I've seen captured with I mean, that feeling. I think yeah. it's interesting also because she outs herself as being 24, at least at this period of time that we're yeah. reading it. And like for any 24-year-old, going to see a concert, it's always like, a good time, especially yeah. one that you like really have always wanted to see. Um, but to do it, I, I really do think that one of those lost panels where she's kind of geeking out about the fact that she's halfway around the world mm-hmm. at her first rock concert and like they're playing her favorite song yeah. uh, as an encore, like th- that's just really cool, uh, a really cool experience. And I think that she, in the very beginning of the comic, she says that she has a degree in making comics, which apparently is a thing that I didn't know you could do. Yeah, sequential um, art. So all of these comics are like really solid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was really just, solid sequential art. I was just gonna mention that too, and because I'm, I'm, I know um, art's not my forte, but I, I will say the one thing that I notice, and I notice the more and more I've read web comics is 
usually, usually if you're reading a good, a good well done web comic, you see one of two things, either the art remains consistently good. Mm-hmm. It starts off good and it continues, continues to, be, to good, be good, which is or rare. It starts off like not bad, but it, you see it improve over time. Yeah. And this one was more the former, where it's consistent. That her, her character designs are on point. I mean, it's it's simple. It's 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 simple, kind of like round characters, cute, very kind of like cute. Like you said, chibi but characters. Consistent. But it's consistent. Yeah. And the the design remains consistent. The world remains consistent. All of her stuff is consistent for these first like forty that we read. Yeah. So kudos to you on that. And I'm not an artist at all. Well, so. and she even she even throws it out there. Like my hair is getting so long that I'm going to have to change the design yeah. of my character. So she to match hair, what yeah. my hair looks like. <laughs> yeah. Um with with the whole concert thing, Ryan, I think that's really important because it, that bit felt like it, this it, this is really weird and it sounds totally backwards, but that felt like a big step for her as a character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the, the fact that she left America and went to Japan to live there felt like just like, oh, that doesn't matter. That's just a thing that happens all the time. Yeah. It felt like inconsequential that like you might as well have said, well, I was teaching at a school down the street, but this was like a big thing for her. And I think that does reveal a lot about her character. Mm-hmm. And I think um, a slice of life comic, uh, autobiographical comic uh, like this can very much fall into the whole just like really mundane and maybe like oh you're like oh, okay i know this person's hobbies and what they like yeah. but you don't know a lot about them and oh and, man glad they had noodles again right yeah. and and here she did tell you a lot about her character by showing the contrast i think whether it was intentional or not of how readily and quickly and easily and just kind of like by the seat of her pants you know she ended up in japan is like okay i guess this is my life versus the like i'm, I'm at a rock concert oh my god What's what's yeah. happening? Oh, people like, it. and um, I thought the second big moment was when her parents come to visit, mm-hmm. and she just has that little moment where everything's kind of fine and dandy, and then she's like, "Oh yeah, this is starting to look a little bit more like home," and she just yeah. has that moment like, "Oh, this is weird that I never would have thought a place this far away, I'd consider home." And if you've traveled, if you've been, you know, in other parts of the country or in other countries, in other cultures, sometimes depending on how much time you spend there, you might feel that. And it's, it's, I don't know. I think it's kind of cool because it's starting to, you're seeing her develop as a person, not her just develop as a teacher or her develop, you know, as a character, but just as a person. And I, I think that's a really cool thing she was able to pull off in this little strip a week thing. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Uh, so, Alan, where can people check this out? Uh, Mary Cagle, M-A-R-Y-C-A-G-L-E dot com. Um, there you can also find links to her other two serial comics um, called Kiwi Blitz and Sleepless Domain. And she has a Patreon that's set up also. And I feel like we should start mentioning that for particularly like, web comics yes. as well. So Absolutely. if you like a thing, give them a dollar a month and yeah. then they can speaking speaking of, support. Yeah, speaking of Patreon, there's a thread I saw on Twitter recently where a lot of artists have been commenting like, a dollar a month on Patreon is amazing. Yeah. Like don't feel they were like a lot of different people at Patreons, both artists and like different creators and stuff were like, Hey, like don't, don't feel ashamed of giving somebody a dollar a month because it's still a dollar. A month. Well, and like, on the, on the other well, cause too. like it feels like I, I, I do some Patreons and several of the Patreons I support. I definitely support at like a dollar or $2 a month. And I'm just like, man, I'm, I don't have that much money, you know, but, but it was nice to see artists say, and, and other creators just saying like, Hey man, a dollar a month is awesome. Instead yeah. of like, Hey, you cheapies, why don't you give me more money? And on the other hand too, for people who, um, I'm speaking more from a YouTube front, but the people who actually do Patreons don't feel like you're begging because you're not We're you're giving us art. You're giving us your, you know, 
your art, whatever it be, it may be a video, a uh, a uh, comic, whatever it is. Don't feel like you're begging or asking. We we people want to contribute and they like it. You basically, it's like having a tip jar. Basically, saying if you want a tip, you can. If you don't, it's okay. So, on both fronts, don't feel bad for giving a little and don't feel bad for accepting anything, folks. So, okay, that's my that's my rant. Um, but uh, moving forward, uh, actually, Chewy, I believe it is your turn now. It is my turn. Tell us about the book you brought. So, uh, for the book show. you done yeah. brang. The book I done brang was in celebration of the American holiday, the 4th of July Independence Day, which is our Independence Day here in America. Uh, I'm sorry, <coughs> in America. Um, I brought a book that's out on Dark Horse Comics. It is called Rebels. It is issue number one. It is written by Brian Wood and art by a- Andrea Muti, colors by Jordi Belair, and letters by Jared K. Felcher. I'm sorry, Fletcher. Um, and basically, what this is is it it, it takes place at the um, at the beginning of the American Revolutionary War. Uh, we follow uh, a young man. His name is Seth. And uh, we see him kind of growing up a little bit in some turbulent times, in a, in a time where, uh, where where the British were trying to, um, you know, keep the colonies in a certain state and to follow their rules. And the, colon- the, the people in the colonies were not having it. And um, this is kind of the start of the Revolutionary War and how people got involved with it. And that is my introduction to this book. I'd like to hear your guys' thoughts. So for historical fiction, this is like very, there's no, unlike last time, there's no, there's no centaur bison man running out. This is like very straightforward. And I don't mean that in a bad way. This is very play it straight. And it kind of gives you a very, um, for those of you who like comics, but maybe aren't like, I'm a terrible reader. I love history, but I'm a terrible Mm -hmm. book reader. I'm, I'm really good with audiobooks, and I'm good at reading comics probably because the visual cues, like the, of the characters and the different stuff gives me something to look at. When I read an actual book, I just go, Man, all these pages have words on them, and I at about twenty pages in, I look at how many I have left in my right hand, being like, "Oh man, there's so many more to go. How am I going to get through this?" <laughs> um, so when I digital helps a little bit with that, though. Um, so uh, that being said, I love history, and I, I think this is a great way that if you're into history, um, but maybe not such a great reader, um, to get kind of a feel for what the what the climate was like at that point where Mm. these people were basically not allowing free assembly of people to get together and talk about, you know, talk about the, like what they were going to do or, or or talk about the injustices that were happening to them. Literally, they just fired into a hall because these dudes wouldn't leave. Um, It's yeah, it's, 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 it's scary. Actually. Like I was legitimately when I was reading this, like, man, this wasn't that long ago. And like, it wasn't like, it, you know, it wasn't like some foreign, it wasn't some like, like I, I, it was a foreign power, but it wasn't like a foreign power coming to America. It was like, yeah. this is it before was, America was, was America. That yeah, we're in charge of America. Yeah. And, and it makes you realize the like, I'm not, I'm not going to get on my political <sighs> platform here, but it makes you realize what these people were fighting for, what, yeah. our, what our founding yeah. fathers were fighting for. Like stuff that we take for granted basically every day, the right to right. free assembly, the right to talk about what we want to talk about. The right to tweet whatever you want. Yeah. You know? Re- regardless of how dumb it is. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, that it the story story wise that really hit me the hardest which is a lot of the things that we take for granted were really hard to come by even back then like it was it 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 just blows my mind like that that, like i i don't it's things we take for granted every day that i didn't even think about um Mm -hmm. that these people are being oppressed against and it's it's rough it's heavy 
It it is, and and I mean, like obviously, just due to the timing of when the show was released and the date and stuff. That's why I wanted to bring something like that. Uh, it meant to last year, but I totally lapsed on it. Hey, it's alright. Um, but that's why, and, and I dug it from a from the aspect of you know we're getting a lot into the we're getting a lot of insight into the minds and motivations of these people exactly. And it's easy to say like, well, yeah, they're fighting for freedom, but like, well, why? What yeah. motivated them to do that? What in this person's How bad life, was it really? You know, perpetuated them to, propelled them. What was the catalyst for this person to get involved? And I thought it was really interesting, the relationship he has with his best friend, mm-hmm. who was on the opposing force, right. initially. Yeah. Right. Um, but it does have a dad moment, so I gotta know. Yeah? <laughs> dad feels, what's up? Uh, I mean, I haven't had to take my kids out to murder people yeah. uh, who were coming to kill me. Uh, so, uh, the, thank God you live in a land where that yeah, isn't the jury, happening. The yet. jury's out there. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's um, you, you yeah, the, the that was a that was a dad moment right there. You've read a little, and bit then he's more. like, and then my dad died like a year later, whatever. You've read a little bit more of kind of like uh, you said, classics illustrated. Yeah, and you're a little bit probably more familiar than any of us here with uh, classical literature, like prose and just you know uh-huh. stuff like that. So, with considering what Ian said, I, mean, I love classical stories, but I'm a terrible reader. What, well, how, no, how mean, does this fit with that? How does I mean, this, it, it, this is this is interesting. I mean, and there's not there's not like an enormous amount of of stories of fiction or or narrative nonfiction written about this time period that's not just straight up history books. Yeah. Uh, I mean the 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 two most obvious touch points are the Mel Gibson movie The Patriot. Yeah. Uh, and people getting their legs blown off by cannonballs. And <laughs> Hamilton the musical. Yeah. Uh, and and so this is this is more like the Mel Gibson movie than it is like Hamilton the musical. Nobody raps in this at all. <laughs> yeah. uh, not but yet. but it but it's it's <laughs> we haven't read all of it yet. But it's definitely the perspective of like colonists who have lived in like he's his character is a native American like sorry not he's a native American, American born. He, he is American born yeah uh, and and so he's, a that's col- a, he's an American born colonist right there yeah so it's a it's, it's a different <laughs> perspective he's like the government is sieging is trying to seize his friend's family's farm and stuff like that like it's like this is is a more of the and when you look at the the history of the American Revolutionary War, like there are there are sort of the two aspects of it, and one of them is the like principle of the thing, taxation without representation, and things like that. And the other side of it is the like, you know, it, you guys are taking my, you know, you're taking my job, you're taking my stuff, you're taking my family, yeah, you're taking our our things that we're working for, and deciding that they are owned by the king now. Uh, and so I, I don't know. It's pretty interesting. I'm, I'm interested to see where it goes. Uh, I, I would imagine like there is a lot of history about this. This right. is, you know, we have a lot of recorded information about this time period, not an enormous amount enough that you can write sort of narratives that intersect with actual historical characters and them not be weird yeah. and then not be just sort of like, you know, like, Oh yeah. Right. You know, it's not yeah. like, it's not like they're running into John F. Kennedy or whatever. Yeah. Uh, that's a little harder, but, um, <laughs> But yeah, no, it's 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 pretty interesting. Oh, it's interesting to see that that perspective of like the, you know, kind of the the rifleman who lives in the woods rather than the like people in the big cities, the quote unquote big cities. I was thinking about earlier uh, while reading this how the origin of the United States, as opposed to the origin of 
England, for example, um, because that was what happened to me in my mind at the time. But also, mm-hmm. like, compare that against any other civilization in, in South America or, you know, China, for example, uh-huh. have, like, hundreds and hundreds, if not sometimes thousands of years worth of history that got them to modern day. Yeah. And how our country is 200. That's yeah. it. Well, and the thing that always gets me is, like, I think about American history, or I think about history like in North America, and I'm like, yeah, America's been around for like 200 and almost, you know, 200 and some change, almost 50 years. Yeah. Uh, And I'm like, and you know, and people came to America not too long before that, but it's like, no, people came to America, people came to North America like 200 years before the revolution. Like there were people speaking English in in the United States, in North America, like hundreds of years before this happened. Yeah. yeah. Like and it's then crazy that, to think about because history gets compressed in your yeah. mind. Right. And then before that, there's pockets of Norwegian and yeah, German like, and Spanish and uh, not to mention all the native languages of which there were many, many, many. And But I mean, like there was definitely, it. it, it people always you think about it as the new world even at yeah. this point in the 1700s, but really like there had been colonies there for hundreds of years. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's it, it, it is it crazy boggles that. my mind because I grew up with the like history starts in 1775 right right you know but you know there's there's 1492 Columbus gets over here and then we skip to 1775 nothing and, happens in between and and yeah. I feel like I always it's probably best because a lot of horrible things a happen lot of horrible between. things happen yeah. but it doesn't mean that they <laughs> didn't we used happen. to live no, in true. what's what's no what what well, is it's now just like, California used to be Mexico. Right. Well, I think just there's like, a saying that says it's just like American we across history. the border, the border crossed us. It's just like American history <laughs> but then ended with World War II. <laughs> but then Mexico <laughs> used to be Spanish colonies genius. anyway. Yeah, exactly. They seceded from Spain, and then it's like, there's all this give and take, but it, 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 I was explaining to somebody the other day, Ryan, uh, you never heard that before? Yeah, it sounds, like something, sounds like something that's on the back of some dude's truck. Well, like it it probably is. It's like a Chicano oh, slogan. Yeah, yeah. Across the border. The, the border, border crossed, crossed us. us. No, it's like well, an no, actually like, a popular Chicano like, yeah, slogan. I mean, that, if you that take is, Chicano studies. That is like, what happened. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's totally true because it came down. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, I always I was talking to somebody the other day, Ryan, about when you were telling us about the uh, the American religion. Oh, the American Civil Religion? Yeah, we just had our High Holy Day the other day. Yeah, exactly. And then I'm reading this, and it's just like, I felt like this subject, specifically the Revolutionary War, is always treated with such like reverence, yeah. almost. It's yeah. always like, these are the people that were right, and England was so wrong, and everything, and everybody on the English side was evil. They were all like, just wanted to yeah, kill they were, everyone. They were, they were the great Satan. They, yeah. were, they were here trying to trying to kill us all. Yeah, but that's not... But that's not what happened. But yeah, because what are you sort saying, of, Alan? Because you we want sort us to go of back. We've, USA, we've, USA, we've religious, religiousized, <laughs> in a sense, the American, the right. American story. And I mean, so, we're not the first country to do that. No, yeah. no, I mean, no question. Is a thing, yeah, but I, but I mean, like, it, I think, I think but, you're right. I think it's important to like think about it as this is just a these are people dealing with things that are happening just like now. Right. And that's, that's the two thoughts that I put together. One was that this technically takes place 200 years ago, as opposed to when you talk about the founding of England and you go all the way back to like King Arthur. 1066. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Or in the battle of Hastings, what all of all that stuff is. Oh, where and the, then, where the water with the tart in the water gave him a, a magical sword. <laughs> Don't we get him King just because sometimes the tart throws a sword at ladies, you. ladies handing out, <laughs> um, handing swords is no, <laughs> Form, so there's no basis for a system yeah. of government. That's yeah. it. Thank you. I couldn't think of the quote. That's all right. I, um, 
So, uh, and that combined with the whole American civil religion thing, it's just stories set in this era. Um, always, I have to catch myself because I'll find myself falling into that just immediately rooting for right. the American Obviously, rebels. So in the back, guy. it right. literally is what we did in the back of your head, just USA. Exactly. USA. It just gets louder and louder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I'm just, I was just conscious, I was uh, conscious of that States, happening. The, the, yeah. Which is in North itself American is a weird feeling. Crow. You know, it, it is a weird feeling to, to, to be like, like, oh, I'm, I'm super rooting for these guys. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it's but it's funny because it works in comic books because we're used to in comic books having a good guys and a bad right, guys, right, right, uh, and and then sort of the bad guys are pure evil, but uh, but it seems like this one is is somewhat more nuanced. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll wrap up my thoughts on the story and then I want to hear about the art here. Um, but I, I think one of the things that's interesting about this book is is we, we've been talking a lot about just like ideology and stuff like that, you know, and like nationalism and mm-hmm. like uh, all that stuff. And, and I'm just going to point out when people are like, comic books aren't real literature or art. <laughs> like, come on, man. Yeah, If anyone's still arguing at this, at that point, at this point, they're probably on their way towards the grave. Yeah. So <laughs> um, let's be honest. But it, it, it is interesting that we talked about, or that you mentioned Ian about like what they were fighting for and stuff. And it's nuts that like, all oh, they fired on them just cause they were like, assembling and refusing to leave um the whole freedom of speech thing is super important because uh, and it is important to think about it now because not not just like here in the united states but in other countries a lot of people don't have that and uh, you know it's easy to think like a well over there so in the vague over there i can tell you this personal experience in uh where my parents come from uh guatemala there's actually a, a very famous um the the most he's like the most famous non-Guatemalan Guatemalan performing artist of all time, and that's because he was born in Guatemala. He was raised in Guatemala. He started writing everything in Guatemala. He started performing everything in Guatemala. Um, but he's very outspoken politically. Um, he's like a singer songwriter, but he's very politically outspoken. And then basically they're like, "Hey, you're not Guatemalan anymore. Get out of here." And so he's. He's 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 a Mexican citizen now, you know what I mean? And but like everyone knows he's really Guatemalan, but he got kicked out for speaking his mind, you know, yeah. through art. And this is like like he's still releasing albums. Nice. So this isn't like back then. Yeah. It's not like, oh well, a few hundred years ago this poet was right. No. Like this is like my parents have seen him in concert. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So it's that recent that it happens. So I think that's it's cool when you have books like this that do make you think about those things. And from your standpoint, Ryan, about the whole like we've seen the Patriot and, you know, um stuff like that. Um, yeah, you have the two stances of they're taking my stuff and that's bad or, you know, taxation without representation. What this book does nicely is I think the ideals that everyone likes to point to on 4th of July and say like, oh, it's what our people fought for, the freedom of everyone. A lot of that gets lost when you see these stories like in, in movies and stuff because it becomes about defending my right. In this book, they're defending their neighbors, they're yeah. stepping in not because, well, this person took this from me. It's they're, they're going after the people that I, they're, they're going after my neighbors. Mm-hmm. This person, I don't know him, but he has a right to this. And that's what gives them the call to arms. And I think that's very important as well. Art. Uh, okay. Just real quick. I was going to say that this is a definitely more modern style. Um, I think that it was definitely has some digital assistance in its coloring. Um, 
But also, this is a really good example of the last couple of books that we've read. Maybe on the last two or three episodes, um, I keep bringing up the weird uncanny valleyness of doing realistic uh, facial expressions on comic book characters. Like, uh, Joey, what was the last book you brought? The um, I uh, brought the uh, Winnebago Graveyard. Yeah, Winnebago Graveyard, because it's in there. And actually, it was in uh, God Country also for a little bit. But I think yeah. this is a good example of how you take... Because it definitely looks like the artist used facial references and then just sketched them onto the characters. Um, but there's enough lines where you absolutely get the sense that this is a more realistic take on comic book art but there's not too many lines so it looks like it was just photoshopped on and then like pop art <laughs> pop arted yeah into, into the scene it into wasn't the panel. run through an app right so that's what i really like about this art is it feels real because it was drawn realistically but it's stuck to a specific style so it doesn't look creepy if that makes sense it's yeah. stylized mm-hmm Anyway, it had its just, own style to begin with. Yeah, but yeah. but all the the uh, the coloring and and the shading and the inks, I mean, they all looked like like a, a modern style. So a lot of cross hatching, a lot of um, uh, silhouetting and for background stuff. Bless you. Um, and then the the shading and colors are all basically flat shading, but it definitely looks like it was digitized in some way. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. I, I really dug it. I was stoked on it. I've been meaning to read it for a while. This is the first arc of it. Um, I think it's a well-regulated militia. It's it's uh, six issues. And as mentioned, they actually um, just brought back a, a second uh, major arc that follows this uh, back, I think, in like uh, April or something like that is when it came out. Um, and um, that's also available now. Um, it's, it's, so I, that's part of why I brought this, but, uh, check out rebels. You can find it collected. Um, I have seen it like collected hardback. It's, it's, or hardcover. It's pretty cool. Um, I'm definitely interested to finish this off and then to read the, the second, the second major story there. Nice. Cool. All right, Ryan, I believe you are the last one of the bunch. It's me breaking character here. Bringing a book from the big two, huh? Yeah, he's not. I, trust I, me, I, but he's not. Really, no, this is this is the most. Ryan. <laughs> I was trying to build it up, and I was trying to mismarket his book, Alan. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, so this is a book I've been sitting on for a long time because uh, I feel like I have to like space out my Gillen McKelvey books, or else you guys are just gonna <laughs> be like Ryan. You can't just bring the same. Oh, you mean Wicked and Divine in the Marvel Universe? Tell me more about it. <laughs> uh, this actually predates Wicked the Young and the Wicked. Um, the Young, the young and, the and Divine. So, so this is. Uh, this is the Marvel Now Young Avengers. Um, it is written by Kieran Gillen, not Karen Gillen. Uh, and and uh, it is drawn by Jamie McKelvey. Um, they're the guys who did Phonogram. They're the guys who do Wicked and Divine. Uh, this this was done after Kieran Gillen had been writing Journey into Mystery, which was sort of the like Thor side series for a long time. Um, and, and this was sort of their like swan song from the Marvel universe. They, they did this and, and after this, their next big work was they started Wicked and Divine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's like my favorite writer artist combo doing a superhero book with, uh, some sort of like third string, uh, Marvel superheroes. Yeah. So much. So uh, Ryan, do you, let me have you do this. I'm going to make you be a little bit, I'm going to make you jump to your character compendium a little early kind of. Sure. Um, Give us a brief rundown of all the characters that we see here. Sure, sure. Uh, so it starts uh, with uh, Hawkeye, aka Lady Hawkeye, aka Kate Bishop. Uh, she's on a she's on a, a spaceship with um, Marvell, uh, who has also had several names. Novar, um, in this case. Yeah, Novar is is his his name, but but he's been Marvel Boy. He's been the projector, the protector. That's one of the things. Everybody everybody in this book is sort of like. 
yeah, I've been like a superhero. I'm kind of over it at this point. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, sort of ironic coming from, from a uh, phonogram where they, it's very much like, Oh, I've been to a bunch of concerts and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Uh, so we have Hulkling who is a scroll. Um, and, uh, he's obviously a shapeshifter. We've got, um, Wiccan who is, uh, he's Scarlet Witch's son. Mm-hmm. Sort of. Yeah. Kind kind of, it's complicated. Um, we have Miss America who is a sort of an alternate universe, Captain America, like literally from an alternate universe and her superpower is the ability to punch through dimensions. Uh, we also have kid Loki who's Loki, but he's a kid. Uh-huh. Uh, because Loki died and then came back as a kid. No, he came back as a woman. Then he died again and came back as a kid. Okay, there it is. Yes, thank you. Uh, he later came back as a teen. Um, and, oh. and and so that's that's kind of who we have in Look this out, issue. High school girls. Teen and this Loki. is this is oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, no kidding. High school goth girls. <laughs> this is a it's a pretty high concept book. It it's basically like. It's basically like these guys doing a victory lap of like, hey, look, we're freaking good at comics. Uh, okay. Yeah. But it's also it's also very much not as much of a superhero book as it is a book about people. And that's yeah. and that's what I definitely came in. Like, first of all, things to check off for a Kieran McKelvey book. Yep. Uh, <laughs> uh, one, very pretty people. Yep. Haircuts. Check. Uh, two, minus a couple pieces of clothing. Check. Yeah. Uh, three, 60s music or music mentioned in yeah. some way to shape <laughs> the soul or character of, of the person on the page. Check. Check. Yeah. Twice, probably. Um, Progressive relationships. Yeah. Check. Check. Um, what else can we throw into like an average Something weird and shapeshifty all of a sudden. Weird and... Uh, uh, <laughs> Supernatural, something, we- something weird that comes out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> from something, another dimension. Something that's, dimensional or weird. That was the moment. Yeah. That was the moment. Like I, I, I'll be honest. As as the Marvel and DC person, like I, I, I jived okay with this book. I enjoyed it. I had moments. I, I like Kieran. I like Kieran Gillen and Jamie McKelvey. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of theirs. I was also going to say CW levels of uh, drama. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that. But I'll be honest with you. This book didn't really grab me fully until that last yeah, moment. Same. I was like. Like, oh, yeah, I pulled her out of an alternate reality. Yeah, didn't think maybe that this is some sort of a horrible reality where yeah. people are these weird liquid monsters who they're, suck the life like out of from people. The thing. Yeah, like, like uh, that's like, honestly, it's like, that's how I was like, hey, Chewy, I know you're really sad because your dog died. So I found it in this alternate reality. Here you go. And you're like, oh, hey, Twiggy. And then her mouth opens up like a, like a, like a predator. Now I'm sad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I found my dog, too. And he opens his mouth up like a predator. No, he's like an something. alien. He's got yeah. a little mouth. And then they the fight mouth. each other. Oh, man. Actually, that sounds pretty good. Let's get working no, on I that. No, I mean, like, like no joke, <laughs> the, the theme of the series, it literally ends up being teens versus parents. Okay. In an all-out battle to save the world, I can see these, where that's going. These guys are all being right. like too <laughs> like, like it is. It is the least subtle thing ever. Th- yeah. For these two guys being like uh, like middle-aged comic book creators, right? A lot of teenagers. They do. Like they, do. they might as well be running the CW at this point, there's, right? There's a there's a quote um, from a, a children's book author who never had kids, and and it was. I, I would love to see Gillen and McKelvey's Archie. That would be freaking great. <laughs> Oh my God! Seriously, but there's a quote from um, what's her name? It was uh, Margaret Wise Brown who wrote uh, the Good Night Moon and a lot of those books. And people are like, why are you so good at writing kids books? You never had any kids. And she said, Well, well I was one. <laughs> yeah. What? And so I would argue that that yeah. 
They, they, but they, they, you can already tell. I mean, we went to a panel for them. I think it was like yeah, last year, or two years ago. Uh, yeah, it was last year. Uh, uh, the, last where year. you can and you can tell these guys like they, they had some very formative experiences in their youth. Yeah, right. Um, and, and it was all tell, tied to music. A lot it was of it was all tied about to music. records. Mm-hmm. Right. And all so, about records and shows. And so obviously that's kind of the thing that they that's kind of their wheelhouse. It's kind of like the same same thing with uh, Brian Lee O'Malley. He writes the time period that he knows in like in his life best, which yeah. is all about early, Super Nintendo and anime. But uh, also early 20s like even seconds takes place in the same age bracket yeah, it's true, not right? girl same similar age bracket true. it's like it's all like you kind of for some reason write what you, uh, write what you know doesn't necessarily mean you know write about the things that you personally experience but maybe that's the more most formative years of their life and so that's where they base their stories on. yeah i mean yeah. not a lot of people are writing books about middle-aged dads you know taking kids in minivans to places i mean i don't know maybe that should happen i, I would, I, I that. would read that power pack is that book. your most formative years ryan when you're <laughs> middle-aged right now yeah what about time machine <laughs> minivan oh man that's oh, no oh, copyright man. copyright alan alan <laughs> Do it. Uh, but we were just taking a normal drive, and then all of a sudden we ended up in dinosaur times. It's called and Land then, of the Lost. Yeah, I don't and know if you've actually, no, no, no. let's be honest. I don't know if you've seen that. It's called the Magic School Bus. No, no, no. And then you find a way to make lava power the car again, because obviously the car broke down, and then you end up in medieval times. Oh. So it's like Doctor Who, My but kids the, ca- the car is broken? Yeah, and it's a dad and two kids. My kids have gotten in a minivan and then ended up at medieval times. So That's it's like hilarious. Lost in Space oh. meets Doctor Who, like a family of people stuck in a there time machine Doctor car. Who, yeah, there you go. Doctor Who, but his companion is an entire family of Yeah, four. well, that's what I said. It's Lost in Space with Doctor yeah. Who. And his catchphrase is, I swear I'll turn this thing around. Oh, also they <laughs> pick up, don't make me pull over. Don't also, they pick up over. some sort of weird pet, like an alien or a dinosaur or sure. something. Yeah, or yeah, you'd have to. Like some a sort half, of alien Half dog. alien dinosaur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like a dog. Yeah. Yeah. But it eats and then copyright dogs. four color commentary. And then eventually <laughs> they get home, but then they've changed history enough that then they have to go back and rewrite history to yeah. make it back to the home that they were in before. Oh, Luxury no, cars. I guess we should. Yeah. Isn't this no, just donuts? black science, <laughs> but with a lot more fun? Less it sounds dark. Like. Yeah. Um, so what did you guys? What did you guys think of the um, the the way the story set up? And especially, I really like the two big double page spreads in this book i mean like the story is very it's a solid story yeah it's a lot it's a lot of exposition but i think it's um i don't i don't think i'm sorry my brain just stopped working so i'm like did i I say exposition right um it's a lot of exposition but i don't think it's it's bad exposition i think it's i think there's enjoyable funny moments in the book there's there's um like when hulk thing pretends to be spider-man really enjoyed that bit Anytime you can, I've noticed. Anytime anyone can write a Marvel book and somehow try to fit Spider Man in there, they'll yeah, they do can. it. Yeah, they can. Like Chip did it. These these guys did it. Like if you can try to just somehow it. make Spider Man fit, was it, it, was it lady? You had better return those gentlemen's purse immediately. <laughs> or have I misread the situation? Well, See, that sounds like a Spider Man line right there. What book was it where they wrote like whiny Spider Man? Where he no, was it like, was it was that Howard, was Howard the, Duck. the Duck. Yeah, uh, remember yeah. when he cries, Uncle Ben. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And now that man is writing a Spider-Man. Yeah, book. there you go. <laughs> He's I, I saw. A, I think I mentioned this before, but I saw a picture he posted on uh, Instagram or was it like Twitter or something. He said it was a picture of Spider-Man band aids that he had signed, and he said, "Now I can now legally do this." So it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay. It's okay now. <laughs> I'm one of them. <laughs> I've written him. I could write. I could do this. I do want to. I do want to talk uh, about uh, the art a little bit because sure. I. There's nothing to talk about, to be it's, honest. It's, if you've read a, 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 a Jamie McKelvey art, art drawn book, it looks like a Jamie McKelvey gonna, drawn book. But that being said, there are two things that I need to say. One is uh, the Hulkling, right, 
is uh-huh. literally just Bieber. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is it is it, it is Bieber. kind of like mu- muscly Bieber. No, 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 but look at this face. Yeah, like, no, that yeah, is, with the hair. That is and literally everything. a picture of Bieber. And I mean, like I mean, it's it's this is this is this book came out in 2012, so it seems right on the. Now money. the other thing that I have to for Wicked and Divine being Wicked and Divine is almost I don't want to say a perfect storm. That's incorrect, but it is a very fortunate like so many things that go right with that book. Yeah, and the art is one of them. Mm. I hate the art for this book. Though. Really? I just, he is such a specific style and a, mm-hmm. and a specific personality that every time I see his art, everybody just looks like posed action figures. Like everybody's skin is flawless. Everybody's facial features are perfect. Everybody's like, <laughs> even everybody's you know, stuck. Fiction. Even <laughs> this guy that has a scar on his face, it's like, oh, they put that on right before he walked out on stage. Yeah, it's like everybody just looks like they're made of like everybody's Mattel purdy. plastic, yeah. and everybody looks like they're stuck in one pose or another. Jimmy McKelvey, can you design action figures? Because that would also be honestly awesome. that would be great because he right. that would totally work. Well, he um, also does like character designs, like he designed the Captain Marvel suit. Oh, that, yeah. He is, no, he's a, an extremely talented artist, and yeah. I wish I had one trillionth of his talent. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just no, saying yeah. that for this book, everybody's too pretty. You know what I mean? <laughs> for yeah, Wicked and Divide, it, it, it makes sense. It makes sense because they're all pop stars. Right. But with this one, it's just, they're just people. Yeah. I, see, I see where you're going with that. You know okay. I mean? Yeah, it, it makes sense. And for superheroes, like, <laughs> what is happening here? Like, that's not a dance. That's a stretch. This is before the dance. <laughs> He's just stretching in the sexiest way possible. Yeah, I mean, that's how like, I stretch. All oh, time. hold on. Let me show you my muscles. Even though we just had coitus. <laughs> <laughs> Good pull. Yeah. I like that. There's the name of the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, no, I, 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 I get that. It, it's also it's it, it's drawn. Not like a superhero book is traditionally drawn. No, but I don't think that was the point. Obviously, the other thing that kind of gets me about these two is like Cy Spurrier writes uh, in a way that speaks to me. Kieran Gillen? No, no, no. I'm circling around. All right. Cy Spurrier writes in in a way that philosophically makes me think and, and speaks to me and like jogs that that part of my brain that when I'm like when I was reading Kant, for example, Uh like that's. It just made me excited to be in that classroom. And then um, uh, Gillen writes similar, but like on a level that just stayed at 1977 and then kept going. Okay. Mostly because of the music stuff. And he, I think that he attempts to write things in a very characteristically um, complex way that sometimes works against him. In a sense where it brings unnecessary drama, where he's trying to create drama, but mm-hmm. the drama would be much easier to find if there were a natural flow to the dialogue, rather than creating these complex characters right outside the gate and then letting them unfold. Okay. Because I feel like he's always putting the characters' flaws right there on page one, which mm-hmm. isn't necessarily a bad thing, like I said, because some creators don't go through character flaws at all. Yeah. But I do believe that in this specific event, it works against him. All right. I don't know how you guys feel. I think that's no. fair. Uh, yeah, I think that. I think about it that way, but I think that the. I remember when I first read this book, and I was really frustrated because, like, a lot of it doesn't make a whole lot of sense on its own. It's like, yeah. oh well, I guess that stuff happened, and like eventually it pays off. To, right. You know, five or ten episode issues later. Right. Um, but yeah, you're right. We we get sort of everything we're gonna get about the character right up front. 
like I don't think that's a bad thing, and I'm having a hard time making no, no, my point. You, you like, got to balance it. I think you got to get a hook in, you know, but just having it all out there, I can see. I can see where that. But I'm Alan. Idea. I hate everything good, so you should. Yeah, that's listen to me. that's true. Actually, uh, in my experience, <laughs> true, Alan. Uh, I would have I would have liked to see a little bit more of the whole space fight and then yeah. like the whole thing with the transforming mom person. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's a whole thing with like Miss America and stuff and, and, and like Kid Loki. And I'm like, it just there wasn't enough of that for, to, to be a draw for me. So I'm yeah. like, I either need. It's a short first issue. It's 20 pages. Yeah. And yeah. I, I just think there's short. a lot of stuff in that 20 pages. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I I agree. I think it could be. I think it's actually technically eighteen pages, mm. and that was the Marvel Now thing. Is they're trying to make comics still three bucks by making them shorter. Yeah, by cutting about five or ten pages off of them. Um, but yeah, I think it suffers a little bit because of that. Yeah, but it's the yeah. first issue, obviously. Yeah. And so, like, my rules for what makes a good first issue usually one of the tent poles is: does it make me want to read more? And the answer is yeah, it does make me want to read more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would need something. A little more fibrous in that second issue, like something a little more to sink my teeth into. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Cool. So, uh, so yeah, it's collected in three trades. Uh, it, you can buy it digitally, obviously, pretty easily. Uh, it it was pretty popular, so the the trades are you know they're at your local comic book store. Uh, Borders, Amazon will have them. Borders, is Borders still stores? No, Barnes and Noble. Noble. They're the same store in my mind. Uh, Sorry, guys. Bookstore. Um, Don't tell Jenna that. She'll cry. Okay. Did she work at one? (laughs) She did. She worked at Borders before it closed. Um, But but yeah, uh, individual issues, good luck. All right. Uh, so, uh, but uh, but also, sorry, I I don't get to talk about like continuity very much. Yeah. Uh, this is this is one of those few times, it, and it usually usually really only happens in Marvel where there's sort of a pocket continuity that exists. Because mm-hmm. um, because this book, it's definitely intended to be the same Kate Bishop as like Matt Fraction Hawkeye, mm-hmm. uh, and it's definitely the kid Loki who came out of the journey into mystery. Uh, up through like 653 or something like that. Um, but then there's not really anything that is a direct sequel to this except for the new America book mm-hmm. drawn by Joe Keones that just came out. It is a direct sequel to this book. Okay. And and that's about it. Like it, it kind of exists in the same it's it's more exists in the same universe as like Squirrel Girl and um and Howard the Duck than it does in like standard Marvel continuity. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Kind of like if you've ever read uh, New X-Men and then Joss Whedon's Astonishing X-Men exists in that sort of weird pocket universe. That's really mm-hmm. interesting because that kind of brings me back to what we were talking about at the Back Matter, Back Matter last episode mm-hmm. where like why do we need young Avengers when everybody taking over the actual mantle of those superheroes are young people, Yeah. right? Yeah. So we have like Miles Morales and we have, mm-hmm. uh, what's her name, Riri, right? Yeah. Uh, and we have um, John, uh, not John Cho. Uh, what the heck is his name? Yeah, yeah. Um, but like, we Amadeus have all these Cho. young people stepping into like the main superhero yeah. titles, foot uh, boots, as it were, footprints. Um, and then that's kind of what Young Avengers was supposed to be. So now we don't really need Young Avengers because we decided to just do that with normal characters, which yeah. was considered sacrilegious five or six years ago. Mm-hmm. Right. That's weird. So you can find this anywhere Marvel books are. Yes, you can. So, um, all right. Well, that is going to do it for the here's my issue portion of the show. 
And now we move on to the second portion of our show called First Prince, uh, where we bring a, uh, a comic book, a graphic novel, uh, an arc of a story, um, something maybe it's a little more classic, something that's maybe a little bit newer. Uh, maybe it's Marvel, maybe it's DC, maybe it's neither. Uh, so it's kind of, uh, well, the way we look at this section is it's a good first idea or first option to get back into comics maybe if you've been out for a while or if you've never read comics what are some good places to start um and so this time in honor of uh, spider-man homecoming coming out uh i went ahead and brought a uh i brought a spider-man book it was my turn to pick and i brought a book that we've been talking about for a little bit we read some of the other marvel ones and i figured why don't we actually read one all the way through uh so i did so i brought a uh, spider-man blue which is by uh, jeff Loeb and a uh, tim sale art by tim sale um and it kind of goes over the formative years of uh of spider-man in the in the sense when it comes to gwen stacy all these kind of color series have kind of a a certain um kind of i don't know if it's emotion of the character that goes with it or just an emotion in general uh but for this one it's kind of peter parker recounting you know his first kind of getting to know gwen stacy and kind of what was going on in his life at that time as well with mary jane and also all the different villain stuff he was dealing with so it's a nice kind of recap of marvel history and also a little bit of a character piece um I, I'll start off with my thought on the story. I really, really enjoy this. I think this gets Spider-Man pretty darn right. Um, as far as in, in multiple areas, area number one, uh, I think the way that he fights, he gets his butt kicked sometimes. That's, that's true. Thing number two, from the Peter Parker standpoint, having to deal with a dual life and also kind of that youthful, almost Archie-esque thing that when you're a, a, a teen or a nerdy teen boy and there's two beautiful women who are like, no, please me. I want to hang out with me, Peter, hang out with me. It's like, ah, that's the dream, isn't it? <laughs> like that was, that's the nerdy boy dream. And also though, it hits a, a really good emotional point um, without having to then go over. I was convinced this book was going to go over the Gweth, the den of Gwe- uh, death of Gwen Stacy. The den of Gweth Stacy. Quiet. Uh, the death of, I mean, let me monologue. And then my you, new metal. Let me it monologue has, and then you can talk. It has a TV and a pool table. I thought this was going to go over the death of Gwen Stacy. Like it was, <laughs> we were going to see it. Why do I even try? Um, oh, we all do it. To each other. So, um, we're, we're t- <laughs> Ryan can't get through the intro without me jumping in and <laughs> saying um, something about it. So uh, I thought this was going to go over the death of Gwen Stacy, but it really didn't. Um, it kind of uh, trusts that you know that sort of stuff, or at least they, they kind of t- tell you a little more about it. But um, yeah, I really enjoyed this. This book, I'll be honest, I'll be I'll be straight up. I I, I got I cried at the end. I really I I legitimately had a tear or two roll down my face because it just hit me. Because I'm a big Spider Man fan, and I think the only other person who matches that here on the show is Alan. I think that's the one thing where you and I combine. We both love Spider Man so much, even though you're wearing a Deadpool shirt today, which is <laughs> as one of my friends. Said it's to a me Deadpool recently, Portal shirt. Yeah, let's be it clear. Is, it is. Well, I, one of the reasons, though, and I I think. Maybe we maybe we both like Spider Man for for similar reasons, but one of the reasons that I really like Spider Man and I also like Deadpool is because one of the things that I I wish that I had to do in my life is the courage to laugh at things that aren't funny, and I feel like Peter Spider Man specifically and Deadpool both do that different in a, in for a, different reasons, but yeah, for different in different ways and different reasons, and their sense of humor is slightly different, but they both take super dire situations, people who are intent on dismembering them for the most part. Uh, and are able to dish it out vocally, just just get all their fears out in, in a way yeah. that makes them seem likable and fun. I think Spider-Man more does it as a coping mechanism, and Deadpool does it because he just doesn't really care. <laughs> but not in a bad way. Like, yeah. he's like He's like a Looney Tune. 
It's yeah. like you don't worry about is Bugs Bunny gonna die? Like right. I, I feel like the the I, I enjoy Deadpool for what that is. I feel Spider Man is a little more on the humanistic side. Like oh he's really scared and the only way he knows how to deal with that is to make a quip. Well, I think you need to read some more Deadpool. Maybe I do. Maybe I do. I Maybe will. I do. <laughs> Dude, what, the, uh, <laughs> what the, they made? the arc uh, and the Marvel Now arc, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yes, is really good. To I agree. Illustrate kind of like. Before that, I was a little bit more on on board with the whole like, oh well, you know, he's Deadpool, he's funny, and I was like, right. oh man, he has feelings. Yeah. Um, I thought you were gonna say, by the way, you're saying I think one of the reasons I like Deadpool is the same reason I like Spider Man, is because I they the like their cool suit. Yeah, I thought you were gonna go that route. <laughs> <laughs> they both have pretty cool suits. What's your sign, Spidey? But Answer, anyway, I guess. Uh, but anyway, enough enough of my yak, and I could talk all night about Spider Man. I want to know what you guys thought of the story of this one. What did you guys think? I've I've never really been like a huge like spider fan in the sense that like like yeah you know like I, I, I like when they, they have the animated show like not not the you know not the neat one you know with the camera but like you the, know the kid the ones from the nineties like, yeah the ones from the nineties mm-hmm. and like Spider-Man, you know Spider Man Spider Man radioactive spider-man yeah that that's one. joe perry of aerosmith by the way that's he sounds like a robot yeah he, he goes through a vocoder but that's him playing guitar on the whoa he, he goes through song. a vocoder no i think it <laughs> um yeah, right. so it's the um, files are in the computer <laughs> <laughs> so like I, I was never like a huge you know i like it was entertaining for what it was like oh superhero i'm a kid uh my brother i think was more of a spider-man fan um he was younger you know he's younger than me um you know so I, I dug it from that perspective um, initially, or I dug him from that perspective initially. Um, and I kind of got later on that just the books and, and the stories never really like drew me in all that much, but it wasn't like it is with Superman where I'm like, I don't get it. I was like, I, I get it. Like he's a teenager, this and this and that. And like, he's balancing both things and he's, he doesn't have it all. Like he's got these cool powers, but maybe he doesn't make the mess the best use of it. And I think one of the big things for me was always his origin story, you know, with the whole, like with great power comes great responsibility. Um, that made me, I'm like, all right, like I get him, but I don't necessarily need to, you know, indulge in those stories and, and, and live in them for a while. Um, this, I think is a really good, I, I think it's a great way this story or this series to, reinforce that stuff without making it tired because it's stuff I already knew I already knew you know and I've seen it in other spider books and I'm like I get it I know you don't need to keep reminding me this does that but in in a pleasant way in a way that feels uh, fulfilling you know it's not just like I'm gonna say the same thing over again it does say it but it I, I don't know. It makes it made me connect with it. You know, not, I think it's a little different. Like if it was to be different, if he was like, I'm talking to uncle Ben, it's like, yes, right. Peter, we know you miss uncle Ben. <laughs> right. <laughs> like it's, it's, a, it's something that, I mean, that not even, I mean, maybe the last movie was going to, spoiler alert if you haven't seen Amazing Spider-Man 2, but I don't think you care. Gwen Stacy does die at the end of Amazing Spider-Man 2. And pretty, it's actually pretty horrific. I remember seeing the movie and yeah. you hear when she's falling, you hear, yeah. you see like her head hit the ground and you hear crack, like it's loud. And you're like, yeah. oh no. Yeah. Uh, but that's not something that really has ever been explored in any other media other than, or medium other than the comics really, is like that her her death and like that character in any way. So and this explores it in a different way, which yeah. I thought was kind of cool. Um yeah, I'm, I yeah. kind of like. I feel like it could. It would be really easy to sort of retread the Spider-Man origin story, yeah, or even to retread the Gwen Stacy thing. And but it, it's interesting that this book doesn't. It it hints at it, but it's like, it's one page is like, yeah, yeah, great, 
great power, great responsibility. Yeah, they, they like mentioned it, like it almost it, offhandedly. Like, yeah, I had to do it because, you know, like Uncle Ben said, you know, I got this thing. Yeah, no, I, I kind of like that. Like, I feel like it could very easily have just devolved into, oh, it's, it's you know, the 13th version of the, the yeah. origin story. But instead, they're just kind of like, yeah, you guys know. You know what I'm talking about. On a side note, that's kind of what I'm hoping Homecoming does. So, like, they mention it. They, they make it a thing. But it's like, but we're not going to be, like, 45 minutes on it. And it's from yeah. the sounds of it, I don't think that's it's the case. One of the few things that Batman versus Superman, dang OGs, did right is mm-hmm. it recapped the you know the Bruce Batman. Wayne it was like in like literally thirty seconds yeah. like yeah it's it, it's like seconds, oh it has to be in there kind of yeah but it's silhouette. done fast like, yeah. it's it's it was well done yeah um so and and we get that here is what Ryan's saying and yeah and I, yeah I in a way with that. yeah like yeah. that it's just like it's like oh we don't have to rehash this again yeah. you know what it, it is. it's more about Peter and his relationship with the with those around him mm. than it is like Peter and Uncle Ben. Peter and Uncle Ben. Like it's it's more about how his how he reacts with Aunt May, how he talks to J. Jonah Jameson, how he talks to Harry Osborne, all his different friends. And also like the other nice thing I really liked is we get like a nice walkthrough of Spider-Man classic rogues gallery. No, not like Venom and yeah. Carnage rogues gallery. No, not, yeah, classic. classic. Classic Spider-Man rogues gallery, which honestly probably has some of, the, if, if not the, in my opinion, some of the best, but the most colorful cast of, of, of characters in the Marvel universe. Um, yeah. So Alan though, what did you think? You haven't really commented on the story at all. What did you think? I just, it's, it's difficult because, like uh, as being a latecomer to the to Western comics, and that sounds so stupid saying, but mm-hmm. that's how yeah, it worked. Yeah. No, it's true. Um, and then knowing Spider Man was, and then knowing that, like, oh yeah, his girlfriend is Mary Jane, and then oh, it turns out he had a girlfriend before this, and oh wow, she's really important. Oh my gosh, she died. Um, and then you know, over the years, you start telling people that, and then then that becomes your norm instead of what was original. Um, I didn't realize that I didn't like Mary Jane until I read this. <laughs> like, I didn't know who Mary Jane was before 2012, probably, where she had, like, evened out a little bit and yeah. been more the concerned girlfriend rather than the apparent, hey, life's a party and MJ's the cake kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um, so I'm reading this, and I just, it hurts so much to see <laughs> Peter go through this knowing that, like, MJ's not a good person, you should totally be with Gwen Stacy, but I know what happens to Gwen Stacy in the end yes, and who he's talking to this whole time. And his feelings for this also, and Ryan, I, I probably, you and me both, but imagining life without that person that you care about most. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if I could do that. It's, and, yes, but <clears throat> in order for me to make a joke I, with, yes, Alan, what a hellish life when you're sick and two beautiful women are coming to take care of you. That's not what I meant. What a hellish yeah. existence. No, I, no I, I get what you're saying. It's, I, yeah, it's I, hard. I'm not married. I've never been married. And I, I think... Not that you know of. <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. Vegas um, would disagree. No, the state of Nevada oh, feels differently. Good thing it stayed over there. Um, <laughs> so I think one of the key things with what you brought up, Alan, is and, and kind of what Ian's talking about, we're not just seeing it happen again. It's not like, hey, watch Gwen Stacy die, and it right. sucks for him. It puts it, I think, in a much more... Um, relatable way because whereas uh, even even if you don't have a spouse that you've lost or anything like that i think it's easier to see someone 
reminiscing, going through it, feeling, thinking about it, you know, wishing that it hadn't happened, reliving it in, through memory rather than seeing it happen to them and then hoping that you've built it up enough in the story to where it hits you the same. I think we can all in some way think about something that we've lost, someone that we've lost, and that helps it to make it more, you know, t- talking to your girlfriend yeah. that, you know, it, it, that, that died horribly, yeah. you know, the way that Gwen Stacy did, I think, you know, it's easier to then look back at whoever it is in your life, you know, and, and you can kind of, in a way, substitute that in. But well, it's a lot more yeah. relatable. And it, it doesn't, what I, what I liked about the ending of this book, I think the ending, the last like few pages of this book really sums it up the best. It doesn't even have to be somebody actually physically died. It's the end of any sort of relationship. But I mean, this is the most extreme way it can end, obviously. Um, but I like that. The the one thing I did I did like because I'm I'm with you Alan I kind of grew up on the same thing Mary Jane and Spider and Ben Peter Parker yeah. that's how it is and then I learned about Gwen Stacy later I was like oh there's this girl who's like really sweet and kind and nice and like he was dating her and then she died really tragically oh my god and it's just like I honestly feel a little indignant about it but I, I like <laughs> what I like that this does is it ties that in to Mary Jane and the change that she goes through saying Obviously. you know we all lost it wasn't just Peter Parker who lost somebody that day we all did we lost like like she lost a she lost a friend and that made her kind of snap out of it. Like we're not going to be here forever. Life's not a party every day. Like it's, we're all going to die eventually sometimes maybe tragically. So you better hold on to those people who you have close to you. And like the fact that he says, if that hadn't happened, I'd never would, she never would have been my wife and I never could have been able to love again. Like she helped me with that. And I like that when she at the very end, spoiler alert finds him like doing these tapes and like basically talking to a woman he used to love. She's not, angry about it she doesn't make a thing she just goes tell Gwen I said hi and like that moment right there like oh even right now I'm getting choked up there's something about that you're just so I don't know is it's, it's just like real and pretty and beautiful and I don't know I I really really like that and I've had those moments too those contemplating moments of like one time I knew a girl and this is what it was like and this is just him talking about how they fell in love and that's I don't know. I think it's kind of a, a kind of a beautiful thing. Doesn't have no, to totally always is. end well. Yeah, I totally but. is. But I'm so I'm just a little bit indignant in a world of revolving door deaths, <laughs> and like he gets. I mean, I I get for editorial reasons. MJ probably worked out better, right? For for I think it's just a pretty dramatic thing right? to kill. I mean, it's just a pretty dramatic thing to kill. They somebody. could have brought her back at any time. I mean, instead, the jackal did as like a clone. If you really want to get into the clone right. sockets, no, no, no. But like, that's not the point. The point is, they could have brought her back at any point, and they could have retconned the whole thing. I mean, they retconned the MJ thing, yeah. right? So he's had how many other girlfriends since then? Right, uh, three or four. I think, this, this is point. from a time, Alan, when comics were more innocent. Right? <laughs> we didn't have. You just had <laughs> you just had old vulturemen flying what, through the sky. Well, right? by, by time, right? I don't mean the actual time was written, but the time in comics in which it's referencing or drawing from sure. was not as much of like. And then we cloned them, and then they died and came back. But it wasn't really a clone; it was a this. It was like a. But in okay. a world where like Mephisto can rewrite reality, <laughs> right? You know, yeah. he could have easily gone. Okay, that was fun. Let's go back to right. uh, Gwen Stacy and the see how things would have turned out. This one with is that. the vulture. Um, <laughs> the point like I'm trying to make and the lizard. The point I'm trying to make, though, is earlier when I talked about um, new heroes taking over old mantles. I mentioned Miles Morales, but now we have Spider Gwen, yeah. right? Which is technically Gwen Stacy. And I was thinking about this as I was reveling in my indignity, uh, and I'm just like, well, they did bring Gwen Stacy back, but they brought her back in this other person, yeah. and it has this weird sense of almost karmic rebirth if that yeah. makes sense yeah no i get you like if in the marvel universe karmic rebirth exists then gwen stacy got to come back and be an awesome superhero in her own right and like help people and 
I just thought that was like an interesting, silly thought. You know it's what I mean? It, it probably doesn't mean anything. No, I get it. Um, um, uh, by the way, I would like to say art-wise, before Chewie uh, throws it on me, um, <laughs> that I think... Someone's got to do it. Well, I do think <laughs> that Spider-Man specifically uh, gets a really good treatment uh, from uh, Tim Sale, more so than the Hulk or uh, Captain America. Yeah. I, I feel like both those other books turned out really well, and we talked about how well he drew the Hulk as just like this big, weird mass in the darkness, and mm-hmm. um, Captain America has that awesome square jaw thing going on, and he looks very super heroic. But I think with the origin of Spider-Man looking the way he did, and with Tim Sale's style, it just works so well. Yeah. Like, it, it just looks like you're reading oh, an older comic. That's all. It the thing... Yeah, I'm with you. It, it doesn't look like a reinvention or, or a redesign. It just looks like old Spider-Man. The, the drawing I love the most in this book... Well, number one, I'll just put this out. Let's put this out there now. Tim Sale knows how to draw beautiful women. He like definitely went on a on a Steve Ditko masterclass on like going back through and looking like, okay, how did Bruce Tim was sitting next to him. Yeah, right? Um, but, it, but no, it's not quite It's not quite cheesecake yet, yet though. Uh, it's close. Yes, it is. It totally is. Not like Tim Sale is, though. At least they're wearing normal clothes for the time uh, period. It's a Spider-Man I'm sorry, not Tim. Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm, well, whatever. Anyway, the, but that's not even my favorite part of the book. My favorite part of the book, my favorite panel, it's not even an action panel. It's the eighth page in the book. The way he draws the Green Goblin, I love. The giant oh, yellow yeah. eyes, the huge eyelashes. It reminds me of his Joker from uh, Batman for yeah. All Seasons. Oh, yeah, but like, oh, you mean uh, Long Halloween? Oh, so, yeah, yeah, sorry. I will, well, don't worry. I'm going to bring that Superman book at some point. <laughs> um, but yeah, the way he draws the Green Goblin, I just, I don't know why. I just love it. I love the way that it looks because that's like... That's to me how he looks like. And a lot of times you don't really see that as often anymore. I mean, we're going to talk about the old movies. They put a Power Rangers mask on his head. Um, anyway, uh, but no, I just really I, I love Tim Sales art already. And I was very, very pleased with this. I think he did Spider-Man. Well, he did kind of more old school Spider-Man, too. Like he wasn't like long and lanky and running around like 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 not quite like, you know, when you see like the Todd McFarlane type Spider-Man. This is like more old school looking Spider-Man. That's the way those old Spider-Man comics looked. I, I love the way that he draws Harry Osborn because of the fact that I look at Harry Osborn and I just hate the way that he looks. Well, they're all he does really good caricatures yeah. of, and that's yeah. that's kind of what the original Spider-Man books did anyway. So I, I, agreed. I'm, I'm just saying, like, just you, oh man, just ooh, I look at Harry Osborn and I'm like, ooh, want to punch you, right? Guys, this, he looks like a weasel. This ah, made me does. realize something about Spider-Man and myself. He wears red. I don't like Spider-Man. You don't. Really? I could right. not care less about Peter Parker's life outside of superheroing that's at all. Like, understandable. This book left Super me cold. I that's because you're a dad. I read it and it, made me, real. and it made me question whether I've ever liked Spider-Man at all. <laughs> oh, right. wow. I want to hear more about this. Uh, it, it made me like, because Spider-Man, you know, it's it's always been huge and, and everybody loves Spider-Man, but like, I don't. I'm not super excited about this movie that's coming out. Like it looks, I look at the trailers and I'm like, I don't want to see this. Like who cares? <laughs> um, and like, I never you lost saw your youthful spark, my friend. Mid, sure. I'm old now. Maybe that's, maybe <laughs> that's, that's all it is. it is. But even, even the original, <laughs> I love this drawing. It, Harry it, yeah. Harry Osborne's face. Oh my. Makes me want to punch it. Um, no, but You're like, like, he's just like one step away from flash Thompson bullying him too. But even, if it wasn't rich, that yeah, would be what was happening. Even like when I was in high school and I saw the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies, I was like, Oh, get, get past the part where he's, talking to people in real life i want to see the spider-man stuff because all this other stuff is is dumb and i don't care and i and i and i realize now like 
yeah, I, I could not care less about Peter Parker. And, and it's funny because the TV show, the Spider-Man TV show that I really like is ultimate Spider-Man. And when he's being Peter Parker, he's working for shield and it's very little high school stuff. And it's mostly like, you know, agent Coulson's the principal and and the (laughs) the school's getting taken over by the, the firefly or whatever. Like, uh, I think it's a DC character. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's the beetle. But not the Blue Beetle, it's different. Uh, but yeah, I this book made me finally realize, like, I don't like Spider-Man. I, I thought this book was kind of boring. Really? Uh, it was just like, oh, well, let's get past this relationship stuff. Oh, okay, that fight was all right. Uh, <laughs> next issue, let's go. Like, I, I just, like, like I don't, like, it's not that the relationship part is bad. Uh, clearly, I Ryan like... Ryan Roop, emotional monster. I like... <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, go on. Clearly, I like books where there's relationships and there's emotions and there's feelings. Just not this guy. <laughs> but no, yeah. Like, I could not care less about Peter Parker. I'm just like, why oh boy, that is? life is so difficult for you. Uh, oh, wow, wow, wow. Like... I know why. I, it's just like why, why Alan? What's, I want to yeah, know. I will run this. What's wrong with me, Alan? What's I'll, broken in my I, in my I, mind? I philosophy guy. I, I'll. Well, this is coming from the psychologist side. Oh, but uh, I think that it just comes down to psychoalanness. Two, two things. One is, and you can tell me if I'm wrong. I will probably be wrong. Uh, one is oversaturation. Like how many times have we seen the Spider-Man? True. Anything. True story. Right? At this point, if Spider-Man's not kicking butt, there's nothing new about him. Yeah. Um, and then secondly is Ryan's personality, I think, tends to stem from a good chunk of his time in college where he discovered a lot of things that he liked and things that he didn't like and then shaped them around that. Not to mention that's when you started dating your wife was in college. It's true. And your your experiences in college would probably lend themselves more to less of the, I have too many good things to handle and more like, I have a few really good things and a few really bad things, and I just have to balance them. So the idea of like this Mar- Gary Sue worth of a character known as Peter Parker having just <laughs> too many hot women that want to spend time with him <laughs> probably just doesn't affect you in any way. As far as I could tell, it probably just means that there is another person with too many rich person problems that you don't have time to deal with. I, I think a lot of it, too, uh, if we're going to psychoanalyze Ryan here, yeah, is that Ryan balances, it. Ryan balances... Being a married a, 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 a husband, a father, and an employee, like a, like a, having a job and living li- a life on a daily basis. So when he looks at this kid who's like, "I'm having a hard time getting money and taking care of my aunt," Which and I'm also a superhero yeah. because I choose to be because my uncle said so. You're like, just stop. That's the solution. Get it. Get a real job and then be a superhero when you're not not being a super. You know, See, like, I, I think you lost. I think you've lost the youthful plight of Spider-Man. And uh, dear maybe. God, I hope to never get to that. Oh, it's already all right. Sorry. Thanks, guys. <laughs> I'm just You're kidding. No, but Ryan, yeah, that's okay. That's okay. This so, guy hates Superman, and you love Superman. So now we just have. I, I, now see, we just have this, your superhero. Go but, more. but see, I'm not accusing you of of liking something <laughs> that I think is bad. I'm just saying. I don't. It turns out Spider-Man's not for me. That's fine, and it turns out Batman's not for Alan, and Green Lantern's not for yeah. me. So yeah. now, now we know. Plight. Now we know. Now we know something that I don't like. What, what episode number is this? Mark it down. This is ninety-one. Why yeah, did 91. I check my this watch? Is... <laughs> Why did I check my, my watch? watch what tells what that episode, episode this? Uh, because this you is like Spider-Man we... twenty ninety-nine though. He seems like a cool guy. Well, yeah, that's different. So no more back matter. From now on, it's Spider Chat. <laughs> and where we where we attempt Perfect. to convince yeah. Ryan Try to convince me that, that Spider Man is good. good. It's a weak argument from my point of the table. <laughs> like I'm like I get it. 
No. But I don't feel the need to preach it. I, I think, see, my analysis for, uh, of you is a lot more <laughs> surface level. And, this, and that level is you like it when someone's punching someone, but not necessarily making them bleed and knocking their teeth well, out. Well, it's funny because I'm not like the biggest superhero book guy. Well, but that's, that's what I'm saying is that the, this is the type of superhero. When you read a superhero book, I think you want a superhero book. And to you, what a superhero book is, there's a fight with no major or graphic injuries. Uh, also, most of the time spent outside of the fight is superhero-related stuff. So Detective Batman, where he's like being like, okay, I got to find out mm-hmm. how I'm going to do this, but not necessarily exploring like, oh, this sucks and I hate my life. I wish my parents yeah, you were hate, alive. That's a good point. You hate you, brooding Batman. You, you don't like the yeah. brooding Batman. I think here yeah, we get a like lot of- I don't like brooding Peter Parker. Yeah, yeah and that's yeah. really what it is. It's him trying to figure out how to balance all this stuff. And, right. and instead of being like, oh, I sympathize with you, you're just like, just figure it out, man. I think what Come it back is, to me when you're done. Well, I think what it is- is <laughs> That's okay. I think what it is is you kind of- up, We kind of all upfront know what Batman's struggle is, yeah. what Peter Parker and Spider-Man's struggle is. We, we don't- You know, I think maybe there's a point of like, okay, well, why are we continuing to explore that when we know he's trying to balance this and this, this and this? Oh, it's hard. When you're like, well, we already know that. We know that's his internal struggle. Let's see him actually- doing one of the two things, you know, and particularly the, the, the more action, the thing that's more visually interesting to, to see or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, so I, I, I could get that. You know what I mean? Can we call this episode the curious case of Ryan Roop? <laughs> no, uh, Ryan, let's put it this way. We I could. think you've, I think you've made your point and you've made a valid argument for that, for how you feel. I don't think it's wrong. That's fine. It's just that I'm too old to understand. No, it's not that you're too old to understand. I think you've dealt, dealt with real life. Maybe you guys should get a younger person to be on this show. <laughs> Hey, my five-year-old no, son is is making unboxing videos of fidget spinners. No, nope. so he could be on <laughs> not allowed. Um, Ryan, I think that you provide a different perspective, and I like. Someone that. made a fidget spinner pin. And okay. they have make fidget spinners that, that are Ryan, shaped like batteries. My only fear now is the way the one. way that you talked. Remember when we first started this? The way I love Dark Batman, and now you've made me kind of realize see the holes in Dark Batman. I hope I never have that. You've infected me with a disease <laughs> where I see the holes in Spider Man because. I, Spider-Man, tr- truth, truthfully though, and I, I, this is my last thing I'll say, and then we'll move on to, to, to character. Again. Spider-Man is a young man's hero, a young person's hero. It's a teenage person in a costume who now is is, is Birdwell stuff. When the more adult you get, and that's why Peter, that's why Peter Parker works better as a kid than as an adult, yeah. is because th- when that's your whole life, it makes a lot more sense. When you're an adult and you look at it, you're like, well, you can just stop being a superhero. Like that's you could do that if you want to. Your uncle's gone. He's not gonna, you know, he's not gonna come back and be mad at you. Like that's it. So let Miles Morales do it. Yeah, I mean, I think I think he works. I think Peter Parker as the character works best as a kid, and I think that's hopefully what Spider-Man: Homecoming will do. But again, I'm I'm not of that age anymore. I'm getting out of that bracket where that's, I'm not. I couldn't be Spider-Man anymore. That's why I. I'm 29. I'm the last the last of my superhero years. Like I can't be Superman or Batman. I identify anymore. most closely with the Vulture. <laughs> With the one that steals the other Cla- vulture costume, Cla- or the old no, one? no, the original vulture. Because oh, okay. I don't like you know, just like classic Keaton. All right, classic <laughs> so Keaton. if you guys want to check out Spider-Man Blue, you can. Um, it is available wherever Marvel Comics are. I believe actually, if you are part of, if you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna plug these guys because I saw it on there. I think if you're part of like the Regal Club or whatever thing, and you like get Spider-Man tickets in IMAX, they give you digital free comics, and one of them is the first issue of Spider-Man Blue. Oh, nice. um, it's uh, it's, it's on, on Comicsology Unlimited. Yeah, oh, too, so you can I read get the whole it. Thing. It's blue because he's sad. Yeah, that's what they. <laughs> yep, 
Yep. Thank, yep. That's right, Ice T. Um. So yeah, you guys can check it out. I, I, I really enjoyed. Maybe maybe this will make you realize that maybe Spider Man. Like when your somebody thing, buys maybe too many scratchy lotteries, <laughs> or maybe it'll reinforce your love of Spider Man, or maybe it'll make you go, nah, not for me. So and that's okay. Either way is fine. I'm glad that you had Ryan at the very least. Yes. I'm glad that you kind of was like, huh. I I had uh, you had an emotional experience about like you know what this just isn't for me anymore that's fine I think or maybe it never was for you, know, you. I'm, I'm gonna, <laughs> I think that's more closely what you're saying like maybe I never liked Spider Man yeah that's that's really okay. what uh, being, I had a friend of mine who I've known since a kid tell me that, tell me recently he's like I just discovered I really don't like sci fi I'm like the hell what What's wrong with you <laughs> yeah exactly see that's your reaction that's mine too I I'm gonna get on soapbox here for for just a brief minute All and right. I, I think what you did. Ryan takes a lot of courage because no, 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 I, I'm Much not try- like I'm, Spider-Man. I'm not, has- <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not being sarcastic, but for a lot of people, you know, like we, we, we rip Alan all the time, you know, for, for not liking Batman and, and stuff like that. And, me, and you I rip me for liking Batman too much. I, I get it for not liking <laughs> Superman, but I think it's important that, you know, if, if a character is not for you or a story is not for you, it's okay to, for it to not be for you. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with not liking a classic character or anything like that. But just, you know, just if, if you're real with yourself, if you understand the characters you like and the characters you don't like, that's where you're going to find the books that you that you like and eventually the books that you love. And it's going to keep you in comics. If mm-hmm. you, um, you know, just force yourself to be like, well, I'm supposed to like Spider-Man, I'm supposed to like Batman, then, you know, you're not going to have a good time and you get away from it. So I, I, I applaud it, Ryan, in, in a non-sarcastic way. You know, I, I know it was kind of a big revelation for you. You're like, wait a minute. Have I always felt this way? But um, no, man, just like do what you like, read what you like, and just be honest with yourself. And nobody will ever make fun of me because Hal Jordan's the worst. All right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No. I can tell you characters. That you, I can tell you a character that you like that uh, that I really don't ha- give give two rips about, but I won't because that'll derail the show. I'll talk to you about, about it off mic. Um, or in no, now I... You'd have to wait. You'll have to be patient like Christmas. Um, so moving on to uh, the third part of our show, the four color character. I just realized that now while I was sitting here, uh, the four color character compendium uh, where we talk about comic book heroes, villains, uh, sometimes superhero teams, like organizations like shield, uh, or we talk about creators, artists, writers, um, anybody who's important to the history of comics or uh, whether it be creative wise or character wise. Uh, so kind of like a history lesson and a vocab lesson all rolled into one. So, Ryan, I believe it's your turn. It is. It's, uh, it's me. Classic, so, classic character compendium. So, man. So Ryan, man. but not Spider Man. But not Spider Man. <laughs> Who are we talking about this time? Uh, you know, actually, it's uh, it's been a while since we've done a creator. Oh, okay. Uh, and we've got San Diego Comic Con coming up, and one yes. of the things that happens at San Diego Comic Con is the Eisner Awards. Right. Uh, so I figured we should talk about Will Eisner. Oh yeah, let's do it. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, Will Eisner is. Um, he is one of the sort of like quintessential classic American comic book artists and writers. Uh, he is um, obviously they named the awards after him. He's he's well known, uh, really less for working on any really recognizable superhero characters mm-hmm. uh, other than the Spirit, but really for being kind of like a like an ambassador to comics in a way. Mm-hmm. He was um, the first comics dad. He he was. He, he was like the Cy really, Young of comics. He really pioneered the concept of a graphic novel 
Right. Uh, he was the first person to to really start calling releases of comics graphic novels. Uh, he he also wrote what was the textbook of comics before understanding comics. Okay. Uh, and and so I thought it'd be interesting to, to talk about him a little bit. Stupid question. What are his superpowers? <laughs> stupid stupid question, question, which you may comics. get to. It, yeah. Like, did he literally write a textbook on comics? Yes. Or like, like yeah. Okay, yeah, he did. It, I actually yeah, yeah. have a. I actually can. We'll show get there. To you. We'll okay, get there. We'll get there. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm so interested. Will Eisner was born in 1917 in Brooklyn, New York City. Uh, his uh, his his mom uh, was actually illiterate. She was born on the ship on the way to America. Oh wow! Uh, and his dad was born in the old country and was a vaudeville set painter. What was the old com- country? Uh, Poland. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, but his dad was a vaudeville set painter. Uh, and that's sort of where he got his artistic spark from. And he started drawing comics professionally in high school. Okay, wow. With his friend Bob. Like he's getting paid for it. His high school friend Bob Kane. Oh, there it is. Uh, but he started. How much drawing did Bob really do? Did he yeah, do just a. No, no, no. Uh, no, no, a guy in a red a, suit he, with some. So, no, it's, it's, it's crazy, Will Eisner's story. So, if you think about it, he was born in 1917. So, he would have been. You know, when he was 15, it was the Depression. Yeah. It was 1932. And his mom was basically like, hey, you you got to get a job. We need you to contribute to the family. Right. And so he could draw. And so he started just like offering to draw for people. And he, he was in, in high school. He was working on the high school newspaper, uh, drawing some comics and that just kind of for fun. And then he'd use those to show to uh, to people. And, and he started to get work. Uh, it's it's sort of insane how young he was. He started working um, on a on a comic called Wow What a Magazine, doing doing <laughs> a great uh, name for. I mean, I pick that up every week. Yeah, yeah. And it was, but it was what a, could be in here. <laughs> it was a book that had uh, Popeye in it. It had uh, you know they had Doctor Fu Manchu in it uh, and stuff like that. And so uh, so tolerant. Yeah, <laughs> not really. No, uh, but. But from there, he started working. Trail of sailors. Uh, so, <laughs> wow. Actually, I what would a, say Popeye's a, a very good portrayal of sailors. There's no cursing. He's defending what's right. He eats, he eats spinach. spinach and yeah. not like rations. So out he doesn't. Of a can. So he doesn't get scurvy. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> He's strong to the finish because he eats his spinach. But he was really influenced by a lot of the other sort of cartoonists of the era. Uh, very, very early sort of comic strips and stuff like that. Uh, but he started working on this book, Wow, What a Magazine, uh, and it was published by um, it was published by a guy named Jerry Iger. And he and this guy, Jerry Iger, worked really well together. And after WoW, or rather, he, Iger was the, the editor. And so after WoW folded, he, Will Eisner was like, hey, I know about art. I'm really good at drawing. I'm really yeah. good at finding people who are good at drawing. You know about how to m- run a business. And so they started what was f- essentially the first comic studio called Eisner and Iger. Okay. And, and basically what happened is Will Eisner would draw tons of comics and then find other people who are good at comics and hire them to draw. And then, um, and then Bob Iger, right? Bob Iger, Jerry Iger would go Bob around Iger's from Disney. Sorry. <laughs> Jerry Iger would go around and then basically pitch those comics to newspapers, to magazines and stuff like that, package them and sell them. He was like the packager. Mm-hmm. So, so basically they had Will Eisner, this kid who's literally like 19, 
Right. Getting his friends, like his friend Jack Kurtzmer. Kurtzberg, known in some circles as Jack Jack Kirby, um, to uh, to and and is also his friend Bob Kane uh, and and stuff like that to draw and come up with things like Sheena, Queen of the Jungle, uh, sort of a a classic, uh, another one like another Black Hawk, Doll Man. Um, He also famously turned down a crude submission from uh, two guys, Jerry and Joe. And their character Superman. Oh, <laughs> he was like, "No, nah, guys, that's that nah, kind of sucks." Come on, um, get that. So you could say he's the Chewy of the early of the early twentieth century. Uh, but they'll take that compliment. Oh, yes, you will. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but they worked together and and kind of they they did the thing that that the comics companies didn't have at that point. There weren't really comics companies that early in the thirties. They didn't. Uh, Timely didn't really exist. National didn't really exist. So what they were doing is selling comics to magazines, selling comics to newspapers and stuff like that. And so in a way, that Eisner and Iger partnership got comics in front of more people than anything had up to that point. Wow. Nice. Uh, And this was when he was a teenager. Uh, And so... It was all uphill from there. We're all failures. (laughs) so, So no joke, at 22, he was making... More money in 1939 at 22, more money than he could deal with. Oh, my gosh. Jeez. And so he decided, well, I'm going to, this has been a lot of work. I'm going to take a break and come up with my own thing. Mm-hmm. And so. What uh, could that have been, Ryan? Well, and so, and so Jerry Iger's like, no, are you sure? Like, like you, you know, come on, this is a good thing. We got a good thing going. He's like, no, 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 I'm sure. Uh, and so he sequestered himself and created this character, the spirit. Yeah. And and then like at first he was just sort of a pulp hero, but as he was he still sort of partnered with Jerry Eggern and as he was trying to sell it, everybody's like, nah, no, nah, we now it's nineteen forty, mm-hmm. superheroes are selling, and so we want in newspapers superheroes to compete with the comic books. And so he's like, All right, fine, draw a mask on him. There you go. <laughs> he's a superhero now. <laughs> that was nice. it. Yeah. That's all it took. A domino mask. Uh, and so he worked with uh, he worked with several artist assistants and stuff like that um, because he was just turning out pages like crazy and he was still like working with people like Jack Kirby and stuff like that um, and then getting a lot of success and and it was interesting the way Spirit came out it wasn't ever really published as a comic book right. it was a newspaper supplement. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would either go in the funny pages, which existed to compete with comic books in newspapers, or it would go in a specially printed supplement with the Sunday paper. Wow. And then he got drafted Ooh. for World War II. Ugh. And you know what he did in World War II? Drew the spirit. He drew comics. <laughs> Are you serious? He worked for the army, drawing comics, and he basically was the pioneer for graphic explanations of how to take a rifle apart and put it back together. Oh, wow. He like, like any sort of, and and even now to like, he created a whole company uh, that he was able to spin off after the war. Um, There was another guy who did that too. Didn't it wasn't there. That's also very popular in comics. If I know my comics, uh, I believe so. Some guy named Stan Lee did something similar. He wrote, he wrote a lot of stuff for the war. The similar things like that, like instructional guides. Yeah. So he was still producing the spirit on the side. Uh, but he created the American Visuals Corporation, which did commercial art and cartoons and educational illustrations. Uh, he created a character uh, when he was in the army called Joe Dope, who was the guy who 
was a dope and he wouldn't do the the standard uh you know the standard maintenance that you need to do on a jeep to keep he, it running and the stuff goofus like that. of the army yeah the oh, army goofus <laughs> isn't that beetle bailey well you goofus could probably say that, that beetle bailey is pretty heavily uh you could probably that's say that beetle bailey is pretty heavily indebted to joe dope that's fair uh and so it's a pretty what a great name, name. <laughs> but i mean don't do what donnie do, don't, don't does, does. Uh, clients for American Visual Corporation included RCA Records, uh, the Baltimore Colts, New York Telephone. Oh uh, he also, at that time, hired uh, people like Jules Feffier and Wally Wood to work with him at American Visual oh, Corporation, okay. who are other famous cartoonists yeah. who later went on to, to a lot of success. Uh, and so he sort of ran those businesses through the 40s, 50s, and 60s while also churning out the spirit, uh, <laughs> just, just continuing <laughs> to put them out. And then in the 70s... Yeah. And then in the 70s, he was like, well, what if, what, if, yeah. what if comics were in books? And not like comic books, but like a like a novel, like a novel of comics, a graphic novel. Oh. Uh, and, so, and so in 1978, he released a, um, a book called a, a Contract with God, which was a collection of different stories set in the 1930s Bronx. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it wasn't superheroes. It was kind of like Slice of Life, but they all sort of tied together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, and it, it, now it sounds pedestrian. It's like, oh, yeah, I've, I've read 100 books like that. Yeah, but back but then, then it's a big deal. That was, that was Especially since it's not a superhero, too. Yeah, and, so, and, that's, and, and with that, he sort of started the idea of comics as something more than just sort of lowbrow gut punching. So some, some might say comics is art and comics, comics is, is literature. literature. I don't know. You know just... <laughs> Who would ever say that? What a dumb thing. I bet that guy doesn't like Spider-Man either. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, and now too, let's be honest. After hearing all this, of course you don't like Spider-Man. Listen to all this stuff this guy's doing. Yeah, this... He's running business, multiple businesses. Like, yeah, I'll keep doing my continuous comic on the side and I'll never complain about it. Uh, and so, so also he talked taught at the New York uh, School of Visual Art. That's it. where he created his, uh, he created oh three God. definitive works, examining the creative process, comics and sequential art, mm-hmm. which is the text, the comics textbook before understanding comics, graphic storytelling, uh, and another book called Expressive Anatomy, which is basically how to draw cartoons. Mm-hmm. Um, and those were all put out in, in various volumes through the 80s and through the 90s. Uh, but in 1988, they they decided to name the Eisner Awards after him, not because he had you know done Batman or or created you know the Fantastic Four or anything like that, but because like the <clears throat> comics as they exist today probably wouldn't exist the same way without Will yeah, Eisner. Absolutely right. not. Um, and he died in 2005, mm-hmm. uh, and he was basically sort of this revered king of comics. I mean, this is the guy who worked with Jack Kirby and Bob Kane before yeah. they were anybody. Well, and everyone talks about like people like, like Stan Lee and Jack Kirby and Bob Kane and, and, um, and Siegel and Schuster and all those guys as foundational towards comic. But this is, this and is this truly is the guy. This is the guy that they looked up to. Yeah. This right. is this guy that that's not found. That's like first level. This is truly foundational without Will Eisner. Right. None of this would be, we wouldn't be here. That's for sure. Um, I mean, none of that would, I mean, that's so crazy to think about. And yeah, absolutely. He, that award is the least you can tell this, do this for this man. He, he's the guy that, you know, was first like, I'm going to record a record with a distorted guitar. Yeah. <laughs> you know, where that's not like people are like, Oh, the Beatles and this and that. And like, you look at like, you know, classic rock, you know, like, you know, the foundations of modern rock and roll. Yeah. And it's like, well, they look to someone first and mm-hmm. it might've been 
slightly different. It might have been an amp that fell off the back of a truck and broke, and then the replay Rocket sixty five with it. You yeah. know, but like it, it you know, it, it sets the tone. It sets. But this you know, is a guy like who a also worked at it his whole life. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So so yeah, that's that's Will Eisner. He died in two thousand five. Uh, sort of on top, having you know already they already had named the Eisner Awards after him in nineteen eighty eight. And crushing it, this guy this guy lived. He he also won the first Eisner Award as he should. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. But yeah. Well, there you go. I, I, I would always I'd always like the reason I chose him is partially because I was always like, well, he did the spirit, but like what else? Yeah. See, you yeah, know, I, like, thought, I, I couldn't think of any other superheroes everything. he created thought, or anything like it turns that. Turns out it's more foundational and more important did, yeah. than that. I thought he did the spirit and it was like, oh, he's a really good cartoonist and, and he just did a lot of, you know, classic work on the spirit. So yeah. there you go. Yeah. Um, but no, no, he, he did it. He did all the things. Yeah. yeah, he did. He laid the foundation for the comics industry as yeah. it exists. Yeah. Jeez. Well, there you yeah, go. Anyway, Will Eisner, cool. legend. Um, so that is going to do it for the four color character compendium. And now we move on to the final section of our show back matter, where we, uh, talk about different, uh, things going on in comics, talk about uh, movie trailers, talk about anything that's kind of general comics, uh, chat, kind of like the end of a comic where they have read their letters page and stuff like that. We didn't get any letters this time. (laughs) Uh, 10 K did call, did, did say, Hey, did did Ryan purposely not tweet that you guys were recording? I I did leave the joke book over there. And I I think Alan can reach it. It would be up to Alan to reach it and give it to me. Uh, if, if he wanted to, thank you, Alan. For handing me that book, I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, I, unfortunately, I, I'll, I'll do you a good service, and I won't read this at, at, at the top of the at top of back matter. I'll Fine. save it for the end. Uh, we have some uh, it just it just happened the day that we record this hours mere hours they announced it before, um, but some pretty uh, uh, um, a major figure in comics has passed away, but not major in the way you think. Um, kind of a more behind the scenes major player. Um, some somebody without whom the Marvel universe as it exists today. Might not have existed. Most likely wouldn't have. Um, Stan Lee's uh, wife of uh, 69 years. They were together 69 years. Um, nice. Had passed away today at 93. Her name is Joan. Um, if you listen to stuff and things, we always we make some some jokes about Stan and Joan, and 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 n- not not uh, in the uh, not in the fa- fam- most family friendly sense. But uh, Joan was in a very. To say she's always supportive of. Him. She was so supportive of Stan, like so much so that. Um, there's, well, there's two stories that I've heard that I, that I'll recant that if you guys are new to comics, maybe not know, but if you're old comics fans, you probably know both these. Uh, number one is how they met. Uh, he wrote something one time. He's like, I'm not an artist, but I've been drawing pictures of a girl all my life, like this, like beautiful woman and what I thought a beautiful woman looked like. And I've been drawing that all my life. And, uh, even not being an artist, I, I just drew. Um, and so one time a friend of mine said, Hey, you have to meet this girl. Her name's Betty. Uh, she's a hat model and you should go meet her. Uh, she's over at this address. She wants to have lunch with you. So, so go, go meet her. So he, so he went over to where Betty was knocked on the door of the building and Joan answered and Joan was also a hat model. I guess she was like the head hat model. And she, and, and he, he said, he said exactly of her. He said, it was like the girl. It was the girl I've been drawing all my life was suddenly in front of me. Like the perfect Aww. woman was suddenly in front of me. Like that's who I've been drawing my whole life. And she goes, "Can I help you?" He said, and I probably said something stupid like "I love you" or something. <laughs> but no joke. They went to lunch, and he proposed to her on their first date, and oh, she gosh. said yes. Oh wow! And they've been married for Ryan. I think I found someone who's beat your love. Because <laughs> yeah, you, you dated, you dated, you dated, and married your first your first girlfriend. Yeah. But he didn't propose on the first date, true, <laughs> like a madman. So only Stanley get away with that. Um, and the other story he jumped is, up on the table. He did the pose. <laughs> 
marry me. <laughs> marry me. No. Um, oh, and we'll stand, of course. Uh, yeah, that's how she talked. Too. She had a British accent. That's the other thing he heard. He said, she, and she spoke to me and said, can I help you in a British accent? Oof. And I've always had a thing. For, she's like, I've always had a thing for the British accent. So it helped. Um, but the other story is that Stan was really, really getting tired of working uh, at, well, it was then, I think, Timely Comics at the time. Um, and because his, his editors weren't, everything he tried to pitch, everything they tried to do was just wrong, wrong, wrong. They're like, we don't want this. It's not selling. It's not working. We don't want this. Give us something that's good. This isn't good. And he was ready to quit. He's ready to give up on comics. Stan Lee, the guy who everybody knows now is like, like the grandpa, Sp- yeah. Spider-Man's dad. Like, uh, well, I mean, for better or worse, depending on your history. Um, but he was ready to give up comics. He was ready to just be done with the whole thing. And Joan told him, listen, you can quit if you want to, but before you do, write one more book that's the, a, a book that you want to do it and do it your way. So at the very least, listen, the worst they're going to do is fire you. So you might as well do something that you're proud of before you go. That book was the Fantastic Four, which as if, if you're not a comic book history historian, that's what kicked off Marvel Comics in general. Yeah, it really kicked off the Silver Age. It, of yeah, comics. and I mean, we wouldn't have Spider-Man, X-Men, The Avengers, uh, Iron Man, any of those, any of these Marvel movies, mo- all, all of them probably would not exist. Uh, make the exception of maybe Captain America, but they, pro- they wouldn't <laughs> have had any popularity like they do without that one little push from somebody. So she was like the... If if Stan is Spider Man's dad, this was this was the 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 mother of Marvel Comics. And actually, funnily enough, she actually had done some work in in some Marvel stuff and in, in some mm-hmm. in some Marvel uh, some TV shows and mm-hmm. some. Uh, I think she's actually appeared in a in an X Men movie as well. Just some, recently, she was her hats. and Stan like ho- she was hold- being held by Stan recently. Yeah. Um, but there's also another one. Um, she actually did in the '90s Spider-Man cartoon. We're finally we're talking about that. She did the voice of the character Madam Web. Oh yeah. So that was that was actually her <laughs> oh, doing wow, the voice. Really? Of, yeah, That's she crazy. did. I she did the that. voice of Madam Web. That's awesome. Yeah. So um, yeah, good old Joan. I mean, I, I, I obviously it goes without saying that you know. Even though we, I mean, co- comics history is is, is crazy. History in general is crazy, and it's sometimes painted in a certain light. But we all, I think, love Stan for who he is, um, and the and the persona he puts out there for us all. We, we 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 he seems like a really good guy, um, and it's needless to say, our hearts go out to him and his family. You know, it's a difficult yeah, that's time, hard. and I know that he's you know keep smiling, Stan. Like we 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 love you. We're all here for you, um, and uh, yeah. So uh, yeah. And 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 like I, I I tweeted earlier I just said I tweeted from our account but I I mean it there's Joan was one of a kind and uh, I'm I'm glad so glad you guys spent so much time together in life and I think we all are that that proves that true love can exist so for all of you sad lonely saps out there like me true love can exist I promise you so um, rest in peace Joan Lee uh, so let's read a joke <laughs> <clears throat> so from More the Joker's joke book <laughs> so Ryan yeah let me ask you something all right. What did the Joker give his snake charmer friend to wear around his neck? A scarf. A boa tie. Uh, <laughs> this one's good for Chewy. Hey, Chewy, why was the Joker angry at breakfast? Because he's a clown and he hates breakfast. No, because his toast had gripe jelly. Oh, man. I want <laughs> Siri. to punch um, so badly right now. This one's good. Alan, I think you might laugh at this one. Hey, Alan. I love these. What did Batman say to the three-headed monster? I don't know. Hello? 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 (laughs) (laughs) I wish there wasn't an expensive mic sitting on this table because I wanted to flip it. 
I mean, so that's badly. that's that's as good as the that's that that's that oh. your your son made a better joke than that. He's younger. <laughs> the probably wrote this book. That was so, pretty good though. Yeah, we didn't tweet out this time. Ryan needed some jokes. <laughs> we we uh, gave him we gave him a harsh time about Spider Man. He needed right. some jokes. Uh, um, good joke. So let's talk about uh, let's talk about some other other stuff going on. So we uh, watched a plethora of trailers before this. Uh, so right. many trailers. Yeah, all the trailers. Uh, yeah, a lot of TV show trailers or like yeah. Netflix yeah. original series trailers. Yeah. Uh, Let's, let's go let's, through them. Yeah, FLCL, well, Fooly Cooly. So that's more you two. I, yeah. I have not watched Fooly Cooly. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to ask this. Yeah. So it's it sounded like before we watched the Fooly Cooly trailer right. that you seemed upset yep. that we were going to watch this trailer and that yes. you were upset about something. And I was upset I, to the fact that it, it was happening. And yeah, it, and I want to know. I feel like you've said it before, but I've forgotten. Why are you upset, or why were you upset? You know, previously that this this was occurring. I guess I think I just had a bit of old man syndrome. Which like was. it's just I like the old thing. I don't want there to be a new thing because it will make the old thing bad, and that's obviously not true. We talk about it all the time, not being true, but it's just it holds such like a special place in in my in my heart and my head, and just to add on top of something that I consider close to perfection, like what's the point? You know what I mean? But we watched the trailer and it seems like it has all the same feeling and the animation is very similar and they're using all the, the same assets and everything. So it's, it's not like it's a separate alternate universe or anything, although that might work too in this show. Mm. Um, I just really hope that it doesn't lose. I don't, I hope that the people that are doing it understand what the show slash manga is actually about and that they don't turn it into invader Zim levels of silliness. Because I feel like people who only have seen it once or only have seen it offhandedly think that that's what that show is. It's a, it's a, I mean, like at the risk of sounding like two huge snobby nerds, like it's a really deep show, but it's really, really silly also. Yeah. Uh, and it's, and it's, uh, we've seen lots of times where the remake or the sequel of something doesn't fully catch the spirit of the right. original. And the first one, it's just six episodes and it was so like it, it, it was like a specific moment in time in mm-hmm. 2003 or two, two three. whenever it came out yeah. that like you can't lightning doesn't strike the same place twice right uh so there's a concern that it's going to be awful but the trailer looks awesome i mean it looks really good they're getting the pillows to do the soundtrack again which by the way if you ever watch if you get around to watching fully Cooly, the pillows the band that does the soundtrack wrote it for the show yeah it's, they wrote it around it it's nice. a great soundtrack it's a good show it's such a good show so anyway that's just me being you know old man stingy so, uh yeah go ahead. but but it looked good when you watch the trailer i mean it looks it's a teaser it's like 40 yeah. seconds long but i mean the animation looks like it got a little bit of an upgrade and it doesn't look like they're bringing back all the old characters like they're not super it's not like a time skip or anything it looks like a bunch of new characters which in this universe probably would work pretty well um and the soundtrack. <laughs> I mean, you can't like that show and not like the soundtrack. It doesn't make any sense. So, I'm I'm That's excited, true. but cautious. All right. Uh, next up, we saw the Rick and Morty season three trailer. <laughs> um, oh man! It's been officially announced that it'll come out next episode's June thir- July thirtieth. Yeah. yeah. I don't. Right after Comic Con. I don't know. So I I love Rick and Morty. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like I experienced something that Ryan was talking about here. And that's, I, let me jump to the point. I still love Rick and Morty. It's not that, I, that I'm doubting that. But I, I don't know that I like trailers for new seasons of like animated shows mm-hmm. for some reason. I don't know what it is, but like watching it, 
like I got more pumped just hearing like, oh, they're making the new season and seeing like a snippet of it, but like seeing the quote unquote trailer for like a new season of an animated show, I'm like, uh, I don't know why, but it doesn't grip me the same way that let's say the trailer for the new season of Game of Thrones or trailer for a new season of a live action show. I don't know why it doesn't grip me the same way, but I'm excited for the new season to come out. I it's one honestly I have done a lot of soul searching and I've realized that Rick and Morty is probably one of my favorite shows not only just now but maybe of all time like it starts mm. getting that point cuz I just I, I I can watch those episodes over and over and over again and never get sick of them. Right. Almost the same way I and there's only two seasons of them. Right. Like almost the same way I feel about classic Simpsons. Like I could throw on Rick and Morty anytime and just be happy to watch it. And right. I, there's not many shows I can say that about, yeah. let alone an animated show I can say that about. And that's kind of how and it kind of goes along with what Alan was saying about um like the uh, or was it Alan or Ryan that was saying about like the specific time period yeah. that Fooly Cooley was in and it was only six episodes um kind of how i felt about the first four seasons of futurama when it got like canceled like abruptly and then Mm -hmm. you know you're like okay well that's all there is and there's that part of me that like wanted more but i'm like it was kind of perfect when it was just that because like every episode was gold even Mm -hmm. you know it it was i I, same thing it like in ian's lived with me for a while you know that's like my go-to hear it on a continuous loop in my bedroom yeah the simpsons yeah um, occasionally he'll jump in always sunny but yeah but it's it's just yeah i'm i'm very excited for rick and morty as well because of the same thing uh we also watched a trailer for another uh, the netflix uh series that's coming out uh death note it's actually a movie or yeah it's it's a movie that's what it is yeah i'm interested uh, I don't Alan, know which I want to hear Alan. No, go ahead. Well, go ahead. Ian, go ahead. Ian, go ahead. I, I, I'm interested to check it out. Um, I know I'm not as big. I haven't read as much of it as Alan has, obviously, or, or, the, uh, or the other manga fans here. I mean, I like. I do enjoy. The, I, I like the way they made the. I can't remember the, what's the name of the de- the demon guy. What's his Ryuk. name? Ryuk. I like the way they made him look. I like. I think that's a. That's a, a, a. Obviously, they put some money into it. Um, and I do like the choice of Willem Dafoe for the voice. I think that's great. Um, I. I, I don't know. I'm in, I'm interested to check it. I'm willing and open and interested to check it out. But I also do. And this just drives the point home that I really need to read more of it because that's right. one, that's the like we've read a lot of manga on the show. But the one that's really stuck with me that I really want to read more of has uh, has been Death Note. That's the one where I'm just like I gotta read that more Death Note. Yeah. I really gotta read more Death Note. Um, I want. That, I'm interested. Like, but, all black page edition of it. Yeah. <laughs> just just a heads up. My birthday's coming up. <laughs> uh, Alan, though, when he watched it, was Henry. You're kind of sighing a lot. What do you I, think? Yeah. I don't. In a, in a world where we have Death Note the manga and Death Note the anime, and they're both great works of art, well, they have live why action do we Japanese movies too? Don't they? And they have a live action Japanese version yeah. too. Why do we need this? Because America. Because why did we need a Ghost in the Shell? Because people like money. <laughs> I I just. I'm, I'm. I don't even know if I'll watch it just because I prefer. I mean, Death Note was really cool, but once you see it the first time, for me, it's just one of those things where once all the twists and turns are kind of spoiled, sure. you can watch it a couple more times. Sure. And I have because Jenna watched it and got stuck on it and watched uh-huh. the whole thing all the way through. Um, but it, it's just one of those things that, once again, it's another period in time that you get stuck in. Gotcha. But with so many other awesome versions of this property, why do we just need another watered down yeah. one? That's fair. Well, uh, like in a, it's the, I mean, this one's being Americanized, right? Sort of on purpose. I one thing that I thought was interesting is the little thing at the beginning. It's like uh, inspired by the manga, you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. and I makes it, it seem like it might be different. I don't know why, but that jumped out at me. And also, again, I haven't like read more of the book. I haven't watched, you know, like yeah. the series or anything like that yeah. previously, but. <clears throat> 
the tone of it seemed like the, like the underlying story kind of seems to be, you know, set up fairly the same. Mm-hmm. Where it's like he finds the book, and so, um, but something about like the music that they use in the trailer and mm-hmm. like some of the whatever the color palette that they uh-huh. use seems to me it's way different than what I picture when I'm reading the book. And granted, again, I haven't seen the series, so I don't know how well that matches up. But it does seem a, like a lot like younger if that makes yeah. sense and like mm-hmm. a lot like more like you know th- this time period you know late 2000s teens yeah you know is is what it seems and i'm just wondering if they're gonna bend some of that and dip into that it and seems like it seems like a little bit of like the like resist and stand up for what's right and justice Mm-hmm. A little bit, and I don't know, again, because I haven't read more of the book, how much it goes into that, but it seems like it might be contemporized a bit for the American political climate. I, I just, yeah, that's a very good point, and now that I think about it, you're probably right. It will probably twist its way into I, being I'm, more I like, might be, modern, I might be were. reading too much into that inspired by no, it. It seems like it. It honestly does seem like it. But the other thing that I'm, I'm a little upset about it is, much like Ghost in the Shell, it's being... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, apologetic for, for anime and manga, I feel like. I feel like the stigma around comic books is mm-hmm. slowly lifting. But I feel yeah. like the stigma around anime and manga is not. Hmm. Um, and I feel, at least in American culture, I feel like manga is so much bigger because now the people in their 30s um, grew up watching anime. You know, right. and things are way... Like, we have Avatar Lost Airbender, we have Steven Universe. like, And then we're handing these cultures... Like, this version of animation and, and comic and storytelling down to younger kids, but I still feel like the general American population looks at anime and manga and sees it as octopuses. Octopi. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. that weird thing that they, is pink they scream and bright a lot blue, and, and their eyes are really big. Yeah, and they get that the lines on their it's forehead. The other, it's still the weird yeah. and foreign. It other is the other thing. Yeah, and and it's. It's just, I mean, it's a personal vendetta, I guess. But it does make me a little upset that we have to remake this thing to make it palatable for a culture that has no reason not to accept the original when in its, in its, my opinion, uh, masterwork, I guess, would be another word I would yeah. use. Because I don't think there is another show like Death Note that gets Death Note right. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it's just something to think about. Like the idea that comics are becoming more mainstream but anime and manga while it is way more mainstream is still seen as anime and manga i was on a there was a thread on twitter the other day mm-hmm. from uh, a well-known artist that said hey are professors in art school still telling you to not draw anime like anime as a genre like as a style it's like this is good but it's not like it's too anime you need to stop making you need to stop drawing anime and start drawing real art mm-hmm. and there was a whole slew of people in that thread that said yes this still happens on yeah. a regular basis that's Which i is- mean it feels seems insane to me. Right. It it does, especially when we look at, you know, the art forms that have made it very uh, successfully here when we talk about, like, animation, Western animation. You look at, like, Adventure Time, regular show, Rick and Morty. Right. Where, like, in its own right is good, but when you look at it, you're like, okay, so this is, like, a square with noodly arms. Right. And, and a giant mouth and, like, a like cat, like, ear type of hat, you know. Like, and he has a dog. Like, <laughs> it, it, it's, you look at that and then you look at some sort of, you know, quote-unquote high art, right. y- you have, you're going to have that difference, but one is, you know, more acceptable because it's it's westernized and we are in Western culture. Right. Um, what's interesting about that is I, I think, like, you, you're right, you know, as comic books become more 
mainstream and it, right now it's still I mean it's definitely a lot more popular now it's like the but it's still kind of the, the like the new thing um, once it becomes kind of old hat you know and, and like okay well oh, okay just another hero movie or whatever and that's you know a, a typical type of thing that's when you know it's like oh well anime and manga will start to become that kind of like new in vogue thing because it's like oh wait these guys that did this like oh that was influenced by that and that right. was influenced by that um i mean even still like now like it, we're we're just like now at least in here where we live yeah. seeing like the boom of like uh like let's say japanese food as being yeah. like a like a widely accepted like oh sushi yeah. oh ramen houses yeah. oh things like that and yeah, there i mean there's still tons of people who are like oh sushi that's disgusting like right I, how could you even like be willing to try that? It's like dude <laughs> and, it's so and, good. and you're totally right it would be great for everyone to just be like well i don't need the american version or whatever but you know the california rule exists you know, and no, 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 no like you're totally does. right. That's like, actually, that's actually that's a very actually good argument. Perfect metaphor. That's for an this. Ameri- it's an amazing argument. Yeah. It, it, it Americanizes, you know, this, this culinary, you know, tradition, but someone tries that and like, all right, well, I'll try the spicy tuna roll. I know, I know tuna, I know spicy. I'll have that. Give and it a then, shot. Yeah. And then, you know, you branch slowly out slowly. Gra- branch out. You know? that's true. So I, I think. Whereas it would be nice to just see people gravitate towards the original thing and be like, you're right, that is awesome. Um, Unfortunately, sometimes people just need it like slowly given to them and, you know, you're weaning them off of one into the other. Gotcha. Um, So moving forward from there, uh, we also watched trailer for for the Inhuman. Speaking of things that are, um, I don't know. Marvel's Ryan, Game of Thrones. Ryan has yeah. thoughts about this. I have different thoughts. I don't think it looks any worse than Agents of Shield, and I enjoy Agents of Shield, so I think I might like this. I think I feel like Agents of Shield was a much like more low concept show. This is sure. much more high concept. Sure. But with the same production values as Agents yeah, of Shield. But people who watch Agents of Shield and are like hardcore fans of the Marvel Cinematic Universe slash TV universe, whatever it is, know what inhumans are. Yeah. Yeah, and, 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 and what I've that. read is that it doesn't tie into Agents of Shield at all. That's and I'm sure it doesn't. Maybe does it does it tie does it tie into any of the Marvel stuff? I don't, I don't know. Because this was supposed to be a movie like, at one point, right? They yeah, were talking about making an Inhumans. Movie. I don't know. It's it seems like they're they're like, well, it exists and it may or may not connect to anything else. I mean, they seem to be making a big deal out of it. They say the first two episodes were shot with IMAX cameras. Like they seem yeah. to be like, we're going to do a theatrical just because you used a fancy camera doesn't mean it's a good show. Right. No, but 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 I f- feel like they have some stuff riding on this. They're not just like, you know, they're not just they're they're putting it out there in a movie theater. They never did that with Agents of Shield. They're like, "Oh yeah, it's on TV now. Go enjoy it." It's true. Like I feel like they're trying to make this like this is a big event. Everybody please watch this. Whether it be good or bad is you know, it's up to us to, I'm, to decide. I'm standing behind my Marvel's, ABC's Game of Thrones. All right, I think that's what uh, it is. I am going. I am actually behind a whole season on the Agents of Shield, but that just oh came really? On, it oh just man, just came on Netflix. So I'm I've been check it out. So I'm about halfway through season four, the most recent season uh-huh. of Agents of Shield. It is good. Is it? It like Robbie Reyes is in it. Yeah, and he's yeah. great. Oh man, yeah. and uh, yeah, that's I, all. I'll say. And I still have to it's, watch Iron Fist. Till it's I've not done that. It's really, really. I know it's going to be a chore, but I have to do it. Uh, it it so might be things. one of the best. <laughs> it might be one of the best seasons of Agents of Shield. I'm also like two seasons behind on Arrow and The Flash, so I'm the worst. <laughs> I need you to get are. caught You're up on those. 
That's um, why I didn't make the promise that you made. <laughs> no, um, I I know very little about the Inhumans. Um, I gather it's very much like the, well, we at Marvel don't necessarily have the ability to just straight up do X-Men, so here's our current version of X-Men. Kind of, yeah. Um, they're sort of like the Kirby X-Men. Yeah, way, they're yeah. like space X-Men. That's well, the best yeah. way I could describe it. Like, a- a- instead, of, instead of like Instead of people being like, Oh, we're you know we're we're genetic mutations from Earth. It's like, well, we're aliens. Yeah, and we have these powers. Yeah, and, and the main guy actually aren't they the like main, true human? They're inhumans. They're like they were like the first humans. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like a space seed situation. It's kind of like the reverse of X Men. Rather than having somebody evolve into something, they yeah. were always this way. And then but like the main guy can't evolve. talk or he'll kill you. Yeah, his voice. Like his voice. Well, it's Black Bull. His voice is yeah. essentially just like you know. Imagine you're Black Canary, but you can't talk at all. Every right. time you open your mouth, it's just like your fuck. mouth is like Cyclops' eyes. Yes, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, no. Ra- his, Ra- wife's got, like his wife's got sentient eyes. hair. Ra- yes. Ramsey Bolton's. Like essentially Magneto, he's like we are the chosen ones. This is, yeah. We deserve Earth. Um, like it, it looks all right. Like the production value again, same thing. I I just view it as uh, I like to view things always through a different lens. I'm like there's a CW lens which I view all the CW shows through. There's an ABC lens that I view all that through. And whereas yes, it is Marvel and like yeah, you got the Netflix ones and you got the actual movies that are out there. I'm like, well, it, it's kind of like reading different imprints that you have. Like you read a Vertigo yeah. book with a different expectation than a Young Animal book than a DC book. So. That's the way I look at it. Um, you know, I'll give it a shot and see what's up. I don't know that I'll go see it in IMAX just I, because I money. But um, but I'll, I'll check it out and I'll, I'll see what's going on. I'm gonna see what what what's going on with the with these guys, these uh, human guys. Uh, one other trailer we watched uh, for speaking of CW shows, a show called Black Lightning, uh, which it came out like that. The, the uh, trailer came out a little while ago. Yeah. I'm not sure how much it ties into the other CW shows. Uh, it seems like it might. I mean, not? I mean, from what I understand, Black Lightning, like it, you know, it, it was like a thing. It was kind of like the. Uh, it's it's a throwback, you know, character. Definitely, yeah. it's not like a character that's been around and continuous. You know, mm-hmm. um, I the vibe I get from the trailer is like you got like Luke Cage meets Iron Man, but also like it's a little bit of like old man Batman. You know, he's yeah, like I'm, yeah. I'm done. I've hung up. You know, like I'm. I'm I'm out of the game, but they keep pulling me back in. Mm-hmm. And then he every just time makes I his, try oh, to get out, yeah. And he makes his cool new suit, and I uh, some of the fight scenes look kind of cool based on the trailer. And like, yeah. I I don't know, I'm I'm kind of stoked. And yeah, it does have the CW look, you know, and like some yeah, costumes. I, like it looks good, and then the costume looks bad, right? You know, it's it's. But I think uh, hey, suspension of disbelief. It's <laughs> it's a uh, it's a comic book show. You know, um, I think it looks kind of. It's he's going around just like punching like gangbangers and like you know beating them up. Electricity punching. Electricity punching them, dude. Like, come on, that's a that's a shocking twist. <laughs> like a twist. <sighs> shocking. Anyway, um, and uh, let's see, we have some other information. Spider Man Homecoming is coming out this week. We none of none of us have seen it. By the yeah. time this episode is released, it will have been out. With the great, it's a it's a Thursday night. The Thursday before it comes out, and Chewie actually invited us, invited me. He's like, "Yeah, let's go, let's go after." I'm like, yeah, "Ryan, I got to do Super me. Action Bros." And because with great power, because you don't like Spider Man, with great power comes. <laughs> nice. You planned That's it. Fair. That's we fair. saw into the future. Fair. We knew. Uh, and because you haven't seen Civil War yet. <clears throat> that's true uh, but we'll get there uh, but because with great power comes great responsibility I have to record Super Action Bros with Ryan afterwards 
So uh, we'll probably see it uh, shortly. But it's getting critically at this point. It's getting really good reviews. It had ninety three percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which is extremely high. Um, uh, I, and I've re- I read kind of a, a light review on it that focused. It, it's very much a high school boyish wonder. Peter Parker, like, wow, the superhero world I live in. I wish I could be like them, sort of thing. Which oh, I'm like, boy. that's right for the character, whether yeah. you like them or not. <laughs> it's right for the character. Uh, why are you looking right at me? I don't know. I, I can't Ryan, imagine why. To my world, where every other jab is something that you hate. Oh, yeah. <laughs> don't don't worry. All right, Hal Jordan. Don't whatever. worry. Don't worry. There'll be plenty of time for you to do that to me if there's a really good Green Lantern movie that comes out. But get yeah. DC's track record. We'll see what we'll happens see. <laughs> whenever they greenlight that thing. Um, it's on the schedule for it. 2020. I think. Yeah, still. it is. We'll see. Or yeah. or it's technically just unnamed DC property, which we're assuming is is. Right. Green They'll just yeah. push it back and I, push I, it back. I see something on our notes here about Hellboy. Oh yeah, Hellboy is just basically that uh, the the movie the reboot. Uh-huh. Yeah, they're rebooting uh, it, right? Making it rated R. They, they're finding they found. I think they might have found a home. They're in negotiations with Lionsgate. Oh, okay, oh, nice. cool. That, that's good. That, that's that's all that is. That's just it's it's moving along. Nice. It's Lionsgate definitely has not, money to throw around at properties. Not, they sure do. Not like the uh, <laughs> indefinitely cur- like like postponed indefinitely gambit film which writers have left directors have left like everyone has like come and gone to that except for channing tatum god just at someone put a knife in it kill it i love it but kill it and then someone new come along say hey remember this thing that never happened called gambit i I, i'm doing a new thing with that that thing is dead leave it be (laughs) maybe i'll take channing tatum i don't know no but here's this new thing get sawyer from lost He's too old now. Well, yeah, I know. <laughs> old um, Gambit. Sawyer from Lost. Old Man you Gambit. Watch, you don't watch Lost. I've never seen The Lost. character Sawyer from the television show Lost. What's the actor? I don't, I don't remember Josh his name. something. He looks like he looks kind of like Gambit. Um, He's got a southern accent. That's all you need. So, uh, well, guys, I think that's actually going to wrap us up for this issue of Four Color Commentary. But before we go, we want to remind you, this is going to be the last episode before San Diego Comic-Con. So if you're San lucky Diego enough to get tickets uh, to San Diego Comic-Con to get a badge, or if you live in that area and you want to come say hi, even if it's outside the convention center, not in a creepy dark alley, but somewhere near and well lit, uh, we'll be happy to Public hang out place. with you and say hi, take a picture. Uh, we've still never been approached by anybody other than people we know, so we'll be the first. Um, to be fair, I was approached by someone that I didn't know. Granted, he knew Alan previously, yeah. but I, I still remember. He came up and was like, Chewy? And I'm like, what? Who? Who are, who you? are you? Get away! Get away from me! What are you doing to my personal space? <laughs> um, Who's around me right now? But yeah, we'll be we'll be live tweeting yeah, some panels that we go to. Uh, we'll be checking some stuff out, taking some photos, uh, maybe getting an interview or two. We'll see. Um, um, spoiler alert. I'm not camping out for Hall H, no. so I probably won't tweet. Yeah, we, we from might Hall not tweet H. a lot of the Hall H stuff just because we probably won't be there. No. I mean, we'll keep an eye on that. I stuff have I have I have had it. a hardcore no on Hall H for a long time, but then Ryan, I got an email today that there's a Twin Peaks panel in there, and I might have to try. Well, I mean, being hosted by Kevin Damon Smith Lindelof. Right? Yeah, no David Lynch though, which which is weird. I looked at the list of people, but Kyle McLaughlin's in there. Oh. David Lynch is too cool for comedy. Mr. Jackpots. <laughs> Dougie Jones. Um, so uh, yeah, 
But we will be at San Diego Comic-Con, so uh, if you guys have stuff you want us to know about, we'll try our best to try to get, get knowledge out there uh, beforehand. But uh, as far as Hall H stuff, uh, we'll have some stuff, but we probably won't be, be camping out for it. So T- just Tweet at us, know. send us emails just in general regarding con stuff or just yeah. stuff. Let us know. Um, so uh, as far as that goes, that is it for this issue. Uh, before we go, we want to give you a preview of the books we'll be reading next time. Ryan, I believe it's your turn to pick a first prince for next time. It is. So uh, Ryan, tell us what what's our first prince for next time. Sure. I'm actually going to pick a book that I picked up at last year's San Diego Comic-Con. Um, and I am hoping to maybe talk to the guy who made it this time. We'll see. Uh, but the book we're going to be reading for first prince is called Tetris, The Games People Play. Uh, and it is sort of a history of Tetris and discussion of, of the the video game Tetris and how it exists in the world now. Uh, drawn and written by Box Brown. Oh, cool. All right. Well, that is our first Out on first time. second. Um, okay. Sorry. That's copyrighted music. Now well, we have to not pay Not my them. version of it. <laughs> the humming version? Yeah. Um, all right. So what about hum song. what about for here's my issue like next time, song, Alan? Uh, I hear it's some sort of some sort of time next time. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, Wait, what time is it? Is it? It's manga time. What, what time, time is, is it? it? You guys always do this. I'm supposed to reciprocate because I go, "What time is it?" And you guys say, "Yeah, it's but manga, manga time." But but yeah, that's that's when we do it during the show. So this what is time is it? It's, it's manga time. What time is it? It's nine forty one. Okay, moving forward. <laughs> Um, I did it. I followed your lead. I, I like you, Chewy. You're going to say you loved me. Uh, no, I took that back. No, I figured yeah, our relationship I, wasn't ready for that. I saw it in your eyes. Baka. Um, <laughs> so, basically, uh, it is manga time, and that means that I'm going to bring something a little, a little more popular, a little more modern this time. Um, something you've probably seen out and about. Um, it is called Sword Art Online, uh, and it is about a... Like, imagine if you played WoW, but you were, like, in it. Like, it was a test of your spinal cord. <laughs> All right. So I know some people who play WoW. I, I know people who, is. yeah, play WoW like so, it's attached to So, so how, about, how about, like, uh, Skyrim, World of Warcraft, sure, uh, Final sure. Fantasy, like, any uh-huh. fantasy video game you can think of, except in this world, you actually, you move your hands and you're in the game. Oh. Then imagine Whoa. that if you log out, or if you're killed in-game, you die in real life. Whoa. I'm not gonna lie. I have seen sword art online, and I'm just like, oh, is that that? That's that website with the swords on it, right? So <laughs> this is something you're gonna see a lot of when we go to Comic Con. Uh, so we might want to read it beforehand. Anyway, right. sword art online, uh, just chapter one, or we usually do the whole volume. It's fine. It yeah, we do volumes it's pretty, usually. It's pretty quick. It's pretty quick. Volume one. Cool. All right, Chu. What about you? Can you guess which imprint or which publisher I'm bringing a book from? Uh, I, I, you know, the fact you, that you're you, saying it makes you think it's not going to be. Image, yeah, exactly. Because despite love, the fact that it's usually image. like Loki, the trickster god, you love to trick. <laughs> so I'm gonna guess DC, Dark Horse. What's your guess on? I'm gonna go with Dark Horse. Image. Oh. It's oh, image. Okay. Um, he reversed. He reversed psychology to us. Reverso. Um, he used reverso on yeah. us. Oh no. Was it in the food we ate before? Chewy, did you was. sprinkle it on there? Um. So I'm Isn't bringing a new, uh, a newer image book. Actually, it was released on June 21st of this year. Um, I'm bringing a book called Shirtless Bear Fighter. Oh, number yeah. Number one. <laughs> issue number one of that's, Shirtless Bear Fighter. That's a great name for uh, a book. Story by Jody uh, Leup, uh, Sebastian uh, Gurner, and then art by Mike Spicer and uh, Neil Vendril. Um, so, yeah, it... After being betrayed by the bears that raised him, he, uh, the legendary shirtless bear fighter, wanders the forest. He's sworn to protect 
fist-fighting bears, eating flapjacks, and being the angriest man the world has ever known. That sounds nice. fantastic. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Um, so I, saw, I took a peek at some of it. Definitely not kid-friendly at all. Yeah. Like, <laughs> nowhere near kid-friendly right. at all. Good to know. Um, Game of Thrones levels of not kid-friendly. Mine, on the, the other hand, shirtless. mine on the other hand, might be kid-friendly, actually. I'm uh, bringing you a book that is recommended on Comixology for 9+. Um, so I'm, it's, it's the licensed portion of my, uh, of my, of my cycle here. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and go with another book from the Disney Kingdoms line. Uh, we, talk, we read one a while ago. I gave you a choice between two. You picked Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. I'm bringing the opposite this time. I'm bringing quite the opposite attraction. The Haunted Mansion, number one. Uh, this is written by uh, Joshua Williamson, who actually we've read here on the show. Um, he taught he us how written, to steal a ghost. That's right. He taught us, Alan's favorite, taught us how to steal a ghost. And well, now he's going back episodes ago for more that? ghosts. That was like... He's also done, he also taught us how to bite some nails. He's also yeah, that's true. And he's also done a lot of work at Disney, so he'd obviously know scary stuff. So maybe this will be kind of a fun, scary book. Um, also, art by Jorge Clejo. So this is uh, yeah from the Disney Kingdom's uh, line of comics from Marvel, uh, Haunted Mansion number one. It's a series of mini series of five. Nice. Uh, have you guys heard about that movie coming out? The space movie. Uh, Star Wars. Nope. Nope. Star Trek. Nope. No. Batman. No. Bat- Batman? Really? I don't know. Maybe Batman? you can go to space in this Valerian. One. Oh. So Valerian, make that steel, right? Uh, yeah. That's it. <laughs> Valerian has been, is based on a long-running series of French comics. Uh, and I'm going to bring... Tintin? <laughs> no, it's called Valerian. He went to space. It's Tintin, did, isn't it? He did go to space. Yeah, you already said he, went, uh, he got there eventually. He did. <laughs> After a lot of took talking. A, took a whole book. Um, <laughs> so, so I'm bringing uh, Valerian Volume 1. Uh called the city of shifting waters okay uh, it's a awesome. uh, it's 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 interesting the way french comics work because it's volume one it's 50 pages that's all right uh but but yeah i figured you know that movie's coming out looks kind of cool it's influenced star wars this yeah. comic book uh so i figured we'd read some of it awesome all right guys well that's gonna wrap us up for this issue of four color commentary thank you guys so much for listening remember we will be at san diego comic-con so feel free to tweet at us say hi uh, ask us about things we'll do our best to, ha- to answer and give you that information there buy um, me some con nachos <laughs> con nachos uh, so thank you so much for listening of I course and we'll come it. back next time for our very next special issue of four color commentary which we'll cover comic-con and because now we've all defined which superheroes we hate so i guess we'll all live in anger and hate and misery towards all the superheroes that we hate alan i hate you batman i'm alan <laughs> i hate you superman i'm chewy i hate you hal jordan green lantern I was so, I was so angry. (laughs) Stay in your mint, everybody. Uh, Fan mail at for hate of Spider Man to at Ryan Root. That's all I This has been a production of the Stuff and Things Podcast Network. Exclusively at stuffandthingsnetwork.com.